Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Welcome in to WIP Afternoon Show. I'm Broads. Hanging out with you for the next four hours. That's right. Ben Kenny producing today's show. Happy President's Day, everybody. The crew is off, so I'm stepping in, and we're going to have a lot of fun today. And we got some great guests lined up as well. At 3 o'clock, Clay Harbor, who played in the NFL, he's going to join us so we can pick his brain on what's happening with the Philadelphia Eagles as we gear up for some free agency, the draft, and, of course, when we look back at the disaster that was. And at 5 o'clock, you ready for this? Because there's nothing better than this voice. We got Dan Baker getting us ready for some Phillies baseball. So it's going to be fantastic. The NBA All-Star Weekend was definitely a hot topic. But where we begin today is with your baseball team and sort of with your football team. I want to really take a deep dive with both head coaches, the manager and the head coach of the football team, and put them underneath the microscope and really dissect who they are and what they can be. And really, the question is, when you look at both of them, who do you trust more right now? For me, it's simple, because if you're somehow lower than Nick Sirianni, I don't know how that's even possible. I am so confused and almost out on Sirianni that it's really impossible to fall underneath. But there are a lot of fans out there that are willing to give him an opportunity based off of the track record, knowing his first year he went 9-8 and eight and made the postseason, which was a good step, and then following that up with the Super Bowl run and only two quarters away from hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. So there are fans that really love Nick Sirianni and think that he can do wonders as Mr. CEO. But let's get to Rob Thompson. Because the more and more you look at some crucial decisions, you can make the argument that that may have been what was the downfall. Now, maybe not. Maybe it's just the Houston Astros were better, right? When it's all said and done, the no-hitter, pulling Zach Wheeler, is it just strictly the Houston Astros were better? Or did you really mess it up by putting your fingerprints all over it? I know that there's fans out there that don't like the lineup every day, screaming about Kyle Schwarber, thinking if Rob Thompson elected to maybe go conventional, 
put Trey Turner up at the top. Put Bryson Stott up at the top. So then Kyle Schwarber could bat either cleanup or he can bat fifth, which then he would knock in more runs with his homers. And maybe that's what you view is the difference. So you are angry towards Rob. But the number one issue with what happened last year when strictly looking at the manager had to be game four, NLCS, and you go to Craig Kimbrell. Craig Kimbrell, going to him was a killer decision, and you cannot say the Diamondbacks were better than the Phillies. You could say the Astros were the year they lost in the World Series, but that was the Phillies series to be had, and that was a series-changing moment that your manager failed. And the crazy part is, and we're going to listen to Rob Thompson in just one second, The crazy part is he doubled down on the decision not too long ago. Take a listen to what Rob Thompson said over this past week. Now, I would label myself a Rob Thompson guy. So by no means am I crushing him insanely. What I'm doing, though, is I am just giving you all of the information. I'm giving you the data. That was a serious issue, and my question becomes, when you look ahead and you project Rob Thompson on the biggest stage this upcoming year, because I demand them to make another run, as we all do. We expect them to be playing in an NLCS, in the World Series, and these situations are going to pop up again, and do you trust Rob Thompson that he can handle that situation properly so we are not heartbroken and in this disgusting feeling because I got to be honest, that NLCS game four moment, everything afterwards, I was numb. I couldn't even enjoy the experience anymore because that broke me in such a way that I was over it. And I can compare that to the Eagles a little bit. The moment Nick Sirianni got annihilated by Kyle Shanahan and that 49ers team, I was broken and I knew that the rest of the season was history. So that's how this ties together. These are two of the most important people in this town in regards to our sports teams, and there are definitely areas of concern, but I definitely have way more trust in Rob Thompson, but that was brutal. And my biggest problem with that entire sequence was less about going to Craig Kimbrell there and more about how you even backed yourself into a corner to have to utilize Craig Kimbrell. What I mean is, if you remember how that series played out, you actually had an advantage going into Game 4. The Arizona Diamondbacks had to throw a bullpen game. You were on Christopher Sanchez, so you didn't have your ace. You didn't have your second guy in Arenola. It wasn't Ranger Suarez. I'm aware that Christopher Sanchez isn't some wow type of guy, but when you compare it to a bullpen game, it is still an advantage for me, and it looked like Rob was willing to give up that advantage and make it more of an even playing field. So after you yank at 38 pitches – And Sanchez, after getting a ground out, you make the decision after two and a third innings, Hoffman goes one and a third, Strom goes one inning, Sir Anthony goes one and a third, Soto one and a third, Kirkering gets in there, and obviously it was maybe a little too new to him, maybe the moment was a little too big for him on that stage. Hey, Kirkering, we like your stuff, go out there. By the way, it's the NLCS, and we're trying to get to the World Series. It's a very tough ask. 
but you utilized all of your pen when maybe, even if it's one arm, all it took was one arm, so you didn't have to rely on Craig, whether it's Soto, whether it's Dominguez. We needed one arm. So if you were willing to allow the leash for Christopher Sanchez to expand, maybe we're not even screaming about Craig Kimbrell as much as we are. And I do think it's interesting, considering Craig is no longer in this clubhouse, that tells me Rob truly does believe it because if he was just pretending because Craig is still here and he wants to show belief in his guys and he wants to keep that locker room or that clubhouse culture together and he stands up for his dudes, then fine. But Craig not being here anymore, you know, it, it doesn't hurt anybody. Say, so, yeah, you know what? Maybe I would have thought about that differently because, well, he said that about the Rojas experience. He would have definitely changed what he did with Rojas. And if you don't remember, NLCS Game 7, bottom four, bases were loaded. And Rojas goes down, swinging at a couple pitches, 0-2, oh, and he's swinging at a pitch that's way off the plate to strike out in a very non-competitive at-bat. And your team is built off of what? Offense, raking, destroying the baseball. You cannot go down game seven, season on the line, in the fourth inning, bases loaded with the dude who we're questioning if he can even sniff the major league level this year. We hope he can blossom into that, but we have no idea if he's even on the real roster as a legitimate option. And that's what you ended the season going with, even if, because let's play the other side for a second. Let's say you did pull Rojas, you didn't get a hit in that scenario, so the inning still ends, and then one of your best defenders is no longer in the game. I have to take that calculated risk. Yeah, there's a risk in any decision you make. No matter what decision is made, you can find some negative things about it, but then I'll just throw, well, what if he hits a double and knocks in a couple runs, and then you win game seven, and you're advancing to play a great Texas team, which would have been an electric World Series, and that roster last year for the Phillies absolutely could have held their own, if not actually win it all. So that that's it right there. That could have been another key spot. And Rob was very open and honest, saying maybe the Rojas one we could change. But, man, did I love that Craig one because I believe in him. It's just a very interesting view right now with the manager. There is frustration with this fan base, with Rob, whether it's his demeanor. They don't like how even keel he is. And I got no problem with it. It obviously relates to the clubhouse. And that's way more important than how it relates to me. And it's a long season. It's a journey. It's a grind. It's one six. And that clubhouse has so much respect for Rob. I do like him, and I think that he's excellent, and he waited a long time for this gig. He was going to step away from the game, being behind Joe Girardi, all that stuff. He gets the opportunity, and they really flourish when everything starts to click, and that does go to the credit of Rob Thompson. But it, I'm just curious out there with the fans, where do you stand? 215-592-9494. Are, are, are you in belief of Rob Thompson? When you compare Rob to Nick Sirianni, which one do you have more faith in? Believe it or not, there are Nick Sirianni supporters out there, and I would love to hear from everybody. There's no wrong answer. I just want to have a, a good old talk, a good debate, see where you stand. 215-592-9494. Ben, what's up, dude? Can't wait to work together again. Hello. Always fun. What, what what do you think about this little opening monologue here? Um, yeah, I, I I have way more faith in Thompson. It's not close. I mean, I I didn't love hearing him defend the Kimbrel thing. I think everybody agrees it was a mistake, but 
I mean, just focusing on that, I think, is forgetting the body of work. He took over a, a dead team and has brought the Phillies their best stretch of winning in the last 15 years. I think he's one of the best managers in baseball. You're comparing that to a football coach who almost got fired. I don't think it's close. I don't think it's close either, but there are people who really don't like the way that Rob handles his business, even if it's a 2% of his decision-making. He could do great at 98% of the things throughout the season, throughout the wild card round, and even maybe throughout the NLDS with the Braves, but the moment the lights get big, the moment you need to either keep in Zach Wheeler like we saw against Houston, or excuse me, no, he didn't keep in Zach Wheeler, he pulls him for Alvarado, then your Don Alvarez hits a big bomb that that matter those two percent of the big stage decisions absolutely matter and I think it has to be weighed differently and it's at least a conversation I do believe this Rob frustration's real trust me I see it all over the social media can't believe he's putting Schwarber in there a lot of it stems from the lineup which fascinates me because well Kyle Schwarber is electric leading off they consistently make deep playoff runs with Kyle Schwarber leading off so you just have to accept it instead of fighting it and there's plenty of other things to get angry about in life than Kyle Kyle Schwarber leading off. You agree with that? Oh, of course. Well, he's going to be leading off. He should be. Howard tried. Howard's trying to fight the people's fight. I love it, though. It is funny. I disagree with Howard, but I do love and appreciate the way that he's going to every single person in that clubhouse. He's sitting there. Trey Turner is asking Schwarbs. He's giving Rob his lineup. I, I, I respect the grind and the hustle, no doubt about right, it. That's what we call angling. <laughs> Yet if, if, if you give it a week and Schwarber doesn't hit a home run, then it comes out even harder. That's the best. Like, I, I, at least they're interesting, right? Five years ago, this didn't exist because the team was nothing. And now under Thompson, they've become, I would argue, the face of the National League and, like, the, the best team in the NL. Oh, no doubt. They this are, is what comes with it. They are definitely a scary squad. And when teams look at the NL East, the crazy part of this all is you will see an Atlanta Braves team win the division year in and year out. But I wonder if you're in the NL, we do this with football all the time, right? If you're in the NFC, who do you have to look out for? Well, the Dallas Cowboys don't scare me. Does Jared Goff and the Lions scare me? Not really. Um, the San Francisco 49ers are consistently fighting towards the end, but there's no one that's like, whoa, hold on a second. They're juggernauts. And I do believe that the Phillies and the way Citizens Bank Park gets rocking in October, it's a scary sight to see regardless of the division win or not, which is just sort of an outlier. Normally it's, hey, the Braves are sick. The Braves are going to be great this year. Ronald Acuna, they pick up Chris Sale. I have no idea what he's going to be, but they're an automatic 98, 99, 100 plus win team, yet the Phillies are probably more feared than the Braves are. I don't know. Maybe this year with the Dodgers, things might change because of how much additions they put in to their roster and, and getting Shohei and Yamamoto. Maybe it just blows it out of the water this year. But normally speaking, even though the Dodgers are consistently also winning a very tough division in the NL West, it comes back to the Phillies being one of the most premier teams in the NL. And it's just an interesting perspective because I don't even know if they're going to win the division this year. They're just a get-in-and-get-hot squad, and I normally despise that when 
thinking of my viewing experience over the entire season because I want to demand to win the division. I want excellence. I want to set up my rotation while other teams are competing in the first round. Regardless on how the last few years of this new playoff format went, it doesn't bother me if I have time off to rest. I'm not worried about, well, the timing's getting screwed up. I don't care. I want rest. Rest is always good. That's always a solid reward compared to, you know, utilizing a Zach Wheeler, an Aaron Nola, and a Ranger Suarez in a three-game playoff series and then starting the NLDS with a different pitcher instead of Zach Wheeler. I think that's absolutely crazy for sure. But the interesting part of the entire lineup is when I went back and looked at World Series Game 6 and the decision made by Rob to take out Zach Wheeler, and when I even looked at NLCS Game 4, well, Kyle Schwarber in a 0-0 game, it was scoreless through five innings, in the leadoff spot in that inning, in the sixth, he led off the inning and he was the leadoff guy. Bang, puts the Phillies on board. NLCS, what's that? It's 2 nothing. Bang, top four, leading off the inning as the leadoff guy cuts the lead in half. The amount of times you study what Kyle Schwarber has done, his excellence is amazing. And it baffles me that we really do try and rip this thing apart like it doesn't work. The best call I get all day long. Whenever I'm on the airwaves, whenever we do these shows, and hey, have at it, 215-592-9494 is, we will never win with this because Kyle Schwarber's too slow. Or Kyle Schwarber running around the bases clogged things up. Just not the truth. And, and maybe it happens once in a while. I say it's not the truth, meaning you're making it seem like this team is being held back because of once in a while that happens where you're not factoring in all the greatness that occurs due to Kyle Schwarber being so strong in his job. Yeah, maybe that does hurt you with one or two runs once in a blue moon. But then factor in the solo shots to start a game and then bang, right off the rip, you're you're already up one nothing. It's demoralizing to the other team. They have to fight back right from the beginning of the game. They're first at bat. They're up. To, to the dish, and they're already down one nothing. There's so much more value. Everything's going to have negatives with it. No matter what you do in life, there will be something that you can scrutinize and say, well, this could go wrong. But what you have to do is counter that with what can go right, and you're just leaving out all the greatness that can go right with Kyle Schwarber. So, you know, the Kyle Schwarber thing always fascin fascinates us with this team, and it ties together with Rob Thompson, the manager, and the trust. And I, I do believe deep down that he has the power to make his own lineups. In today's era of baseball, it does happen a lot where the president of baseball ops or the GM or the ownership group, they have the analytical staff essentially send down on a piece of paper what the manager is going to walk out to the umpire, and they are pretty much puppets. We experienced it with Gabe Kapler, unfortunately. It happens all around the league. I don't know if Dave Dombrowski does that exactly with Rob. It seems from the outside looking in that there is more wiggle room with that and uh, th does that play a role if you feel very similar to me, which is Rob has more freedom? Does that play a role in the way that you study what Rob Thompson does and how he handles his job? I, I, I like Rob. I, I think Rob has done a tremendous job. And it's so opposite from where we once were 
I'm playing both sides here, but I, I do feel very strongly about Rob being a good manager. I just like to lay out all of the data. That's all. I'm putting everything on the table, and then we can sort through it as we get along with our show. And remember, when Joe Girardi was here, there were big signings, and there were huge names that entered this clubhouse. We actually had to hear from Nick Castellanos, who was a massive addition to this roster, say him and Joe Girardi never even spoke. They didn't even communicate. They had zero conversation. How does that even happen? How is that even possible? That's actually almost impossible. It kind of reminds me of something that happened last night during the NBA All-Star game. I know Boston sports were freaking out because apparently Jason Tatum never even met, never even met Larry Bird. How does that even happen? Jason Tatum's been playing in this league for how long? Playing in that city for how long? He never met Larry Bird? Well, how do you have Joe Girardi here and he never even meets and speaks with Nick Castellanos? That blows my mind. Rob will never do that. Part of the area that Rob is very smooth in is his ability to communicate, his ability to show belief in those guys, and it goes a long way. Does it become a detriment, though? Does it become what actually hurts you when it's all said and done because he's so stuck in his ways, he's so stubborn with believing in his guys, he's ready to go down and go to war and say, hey, I'm living and dying with Craig Kimbrell because he's our guy no matter what. And can that be, unfortunately, the kryptonite of Rob when you look ahead and look forward? And, you know, and, and you look at Nick Sirianni on the other side, I don't want him to lose any sauce here. He's still part of this conversation. Is there anything that really gives you a bunch of trust in Nick Sirianni moving forward, or is he more of a, a lost cause, you know? So as we get ready here to take our first break, 215-592-9494. The question is, Rob Thompson, Nick Sirianni, who do you trust more? We have your phone calls coming up. We also have Bryce Harper speaking about an extension possible, an extension. I thought you signed a 13-year deal worth 300 million. How many more years do you have on that? Way too many to be talking about an extension, but he was in the in the in the in the media with it, and so was Dave Dombrowski and Scott Boris is always an experience. So a lot on the table. 215-592-9494. Who do you have more trust in? Is it Rob Thompson? Is it Nick Sirianni? As we get started here on the afternoon show, I'm Broads filling in for the crew right here, 94 WIP. Welcome back, Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Broads filling in for the afternoon show. They'll be back tomorrow, President's Day, of course. So we're kicking it, hanging out with you. 215-592-9494. That's the phone number. We're going to be getting to the phones in just one moment. We're talking Rob Thompson. We're talking Nick Sirianni. Who do you have more trust in when looking at the future? It's big seasons for both of these teams. Nick Sirianni needs to bounce back and... And, well, over the last two postseason runs, there were some crucial decisions made by Rob. And is that just part of his DNA? Or is he willing to adapt and adjust and learn from some of his past experiences that might have really, you know, bit him in the rear end, if you will? But right now, we are going to look at our Twitter question, which is brought to you by Mark's Jewelers. Looking for wedding bands or bridal party gifts? Shop Mark's Jewelers' extensive collection for the perfect gift. Online at marks-jewelers.com. And the Twitter poll question is, who do you have more trust in entering 2024? And so far, it's 73% Rob Thompson, 27% Nick Sirianni. 
During the break, I've been watching it, and I've had my eyes set on it. It's starting to go heavily in favor of Rob. So I wouldn't be surprised if by the end this sits around 80-20. But I really do like to hear the perspective of the other side. Like, I, I root for Rob in this, or I vote for Rob in this poll. But if you are a Nick guy over Rob, 215-592-9494. I really do want to hear your side of it and why that is the case. Is it really because you have this love and this belief in Nick? Or is it more about what I mentioned just a little bit ago, which is you're so down on Rob because you see a common theme with his decision-making, with his mentality in the playoffs, and you just don't believe that the Phillies can overcome that with better hitting down the stretch? Remember, Nick Castellanos went back to the bad version of Nick, and he's swinging at sliders that are completely five, six, seven feet off the plate. It's a disaster. That was more of the issue in the totality side of things. But yeah, I mean, there's a just managerial sort of debate to look at too. They do have a fingerprint on the game. It's more about players executing, but there are decisions that need to be made. There is a pie chart, and the manager has a percentage of the pie chart that's reasonable to dissect as well. That all makes sense. All right, 215-592-9494. Let's start running to the phones here. Let's go to Herb in the Northeast. What's up, Herb? What's going on? What's up there? I'm doing good, man. How are you, Herb? I want to talk about, okay, that Harper, I understand where he's coming from because he wants to try to get his contract up there where Mike Trout is as far as the dollars and the years. And all that. So he, I know what he's trying to do. Okay, but uh, hopefully he can su- succeed this year, next year. We can go to the World Series and uh, win it all. So um, anyway, everybody's coming in the bus right now. Yeah, we can hear that. So yeah. So why? Uh, Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. The, um, there's, uh, we can, we can go with Schwerber leading off. Smart man, Herb. We can go with South I I love you, Herb. I really do want to talk to you more. Just a little too much background noise. I I do love you. You know we all love you here. Just a little bit of of a lot going on there in the background. Uh, (laughs) Comedy. I love Herb to death. I really, really do. I I, I do want to backpack off of something he said, though, in regards to Bryce Harper and this contract situation. And uh, this sounds like a Scott Boris move, okay? I feel Scott Boris is chirping away in his ear, getting into Bryce Harper's mind, saying, listen to me, Bryce. Listen to me. We're going to make more money. You signed the deal originally. You didn't want any no-movement clauses in there or, or, excuse me, no opt-outs. No opt-outs. You didn't want any opt-outs in there. And it's like, all right, I want to be comfortable. I want to send my family to Philly. And that's that. Well, now they're starting to communicate a little more, Scott, Boris, and Bryce, looking at the market, figuring that there's probably more money to be made. And there's no way, though, that I'm signing Bryce Harper to age 45. That is actually malpractice from a front office standpoint to sign Bryce Harper right now and give him an extension. But let's hear from Bryce Harper on his contract yesterday speaking with the media. I think there's been communication there uh, you know, between you know myself and um, Dave and also Scott and Dave as well. Um, obviously, I want to be here for a long time and um, you know, we'll see what happens. You can't do a contract extension with this much length still left on the deal and pushing the 45 years old. I mean, that's actually crazy to me. I can't even comprehend how we are seriously having this combo. And because it's Bryce Harper, everyone's going, oh, oh, Bryce. No, I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's Brian Dawkins. I don't care if it's Jimmy Rollins. I don't care if it's Chase Sully. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's Dr. J, Joel Embiid, the best athletes to ever play in this city. I am not signing them to age 45 after signing a 13-year contract. That's gross. Now, also, Dave Dombrowski spoke, and this was February 7th, so dating back a little bit. But here's Dave Dombrowski on the Harper extension. Should he expect a new deal or not? Well, I would not get into any contract situations publicly. Just never really do that. Um, we'll say of the utmost respect for Bryce, tremendous players, said everything for the our, our club and, and the team and the city. So he's the type of guy you want to have. Um, he's in a situation where you can always desire or want anybody can anything that they would like. Um, we end up making business decisions that sometimes are difficult, but I, I mean, the way, one way I would just say it without getting into any particulars is that uh, we're thrilled that he's on board. We, he's, we know he's at Philly for eight more years and, um, there's a lot of times to digest things, but it's a situation where um, we're thrilled that he's on board. And um, again, you can desire and want anything you, you would like, but I think it's also the apparent. Knowing Bryce, when he gets to spring training under any circumstances, he's ready to go and you know you're going to get 100% from him in every regard. 
I love that answer. He pretty much said, you can want whatever you want. But the moment Bryce Harper is in town, in Clearwater, it's all go mode. It's all one mentality. It's about the baseball team and him being the best version of Bryce Harper. So essentially all that contract stuff goes out the window. You can want whatever you want. But <laughs> I mean, come on. Dave knows. He answered that in a very professional way. Very savvy. Very Dave Dombrowski-like. But he's got to be laughing behind the scenes with John Middleton. This guy's nuts. We knew Scott Boris was nuts. But this guy's even more nuts than we we could ever imagine 45 let that sink in it is actually hurting my soul thinking about it and I'm a huge Bryce Harper supporter there's no one in this town that doesn't like Bryce Harper he's amazing he's not malpractice amazing though and and talking about this is malpractice in my eyes 215-592-9494 let's go back to the phones let's go to John John you're on 94 WIP hey John Hey, brother, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you, John? Um, I'm excellent. Yeah, I got going back to your topic about uh, Nick or Rob. You know, you, you got to go with Rob. I mean, they publicly they publicly neutered Nick Sirianni, <laughs> and he pretty much he, he pretty much rubber stamped it. You know what I mean? So he's so he's got he, he better hope that these coordinators come in here and coach their asses off. Because if they don't, it's all going to fall back on him, even though they've kind of neutered the guy. So, um, yeah, it's, it's got to be robbed. It's got to be robbed. I agree with you. And, my, you know, when you think of this whole Nick Sirianni thing, I'm not against a CEO head coach. But if you are a CEO head coach, you better be detailed. You better focus on the usage of the timeouts, right? You better have the yep. proper personnel on the field so I don't have to see – Calcantara run onto the field late in the fourth quarter, right. and then pulling guys off, or you know you have to properly challenge the play. Everything needs to be clean and crisp from a CEO standpoint, and he's a mess all over the board. Yeah, I, that's why that's why I, I got to go with Rob. You know, I, I mean some of the little things that they were hap- were happening uh, in that horrible two month stretch where they absolutely did nothing and he could do nothing right. But they go one for seven, one one for seven down the stretch. No, it's, 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 it, you definitely got to go with Rob. And it's a shame because you know he, Nick had those two seasons where you know he showed that he could get some things done. But when those coordinators were gone, it went all it, it went all downhill. It's an interesting exercise, John, because if we ask this same question prior to this Eagle season, or if we asked it in the middle of this season when they were 10-1, and I think it might be 90% Nick Sirianni. And if we ask the same question after the 2024 season, maybe it is flip-flop because we get a rebound from the Eagles. But if the Phillies disappoint, it could be the extreme opposite. But as we sit here today, even with the worries of Thompson in the postseason, it's got to be Rob Thompson. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Absolutely. I mean, and there's no template for what happened to the Eagles in those last two months. You've never seen it before. No. Not in the NFL. No. You got to go back to the Phillies in the 60s, but that's a whole different conversation. But think about that. And thanks, John. I appreciate the phone call so much. We'd love to hear from you again. If we are relating to the collapse of the Eagles to what happens in the 60s, in the 60s, yeah, this is once-in-a-lifetime type of stuff. How do you respond from that? I, I don't know. And if Nick can, wow, that would be very impressive. If Nick actually does and he bounces back, he gets the respect in the room, and the fellas are all on board with the neutered head coach, as was mentioned right there, then God bless him. And that's a very impressive thing to do because I would imagine majority of the guys are shaking their head because when you constantly lose and when you're always failing down the stretch against these teams that you should obliterate, you can't lose to the Arizona Cardinals at home. You can't lose to Jonathan Gannon. You can't lose to the Giants. You cannot go down to Drew Locke on the road in a 90-plus yard drive with the game on the line. So clearly they go into the NovaCare complex every single day and try to establish what can we change to get better. They were actively trying, and they kept coming up so small where they weren't even close. Well, you don't think the room knows that? You don't think the locker room understands that Nick was trying everything in his power and he was willing to put in the time and the results were, oh, okay, you got your ass kicked by San Fran in your own building, a game that was highlighted on the calendar for 10 months? How did you respond to that? Lo- oh, oh, your, your biggest rival, the Dallas Cowboys, did the same exact damn thing. Oh, then what? Ha- oh, oh, they keep losing and it gets uglier and uglier and uglier. How do you bounce back? How do you have trust? How do you have belief in the guy? It's hard to relate it to when they went to the Super Bowl because there was something that happened to the foundation under Sirianni, and they've never been able to fix that foundation because it might not even be fixable. So I'm not trying to throw away a resume or pretend like what someone once did isn't important because that's what it's all about, right? When you sign a free agent, the reason why you're either excited or disappointed is because what that player once did at his at, at, in his career at that time. You get excited about the what was. Well, I get it, but then there's something like insane that happens. For example, we could talk about any athlete. D. Rose. Derek Rose is one of the best ever. You get injured, you're not the same guy. Nick Sirianni, this is equivalent to getting injured and unfortunately not being able to recover. That's how I sort of see this thing going for Nick, and that's why I have to choose Rob as who I have more confidence in moving forward. <laughs> oh, this is a dangerous game. Let's go to Mad Mike. Mad Mike, you're on WIP. Hey, how are we doing there, bro? Oh, we're doing lovely. We're doing lovely. Hey. How, how are you, Mad Mike? That's the real I'm, question. I'm always good, man. Oh, I'm always, always good. good. Uh, okay. So here's the thing. I, I really want to preface this, that last, not last season where they collapsed, but the season before, I really want everybody to understand that it was all smoke and mirrors, all smoke and mirrors, that the Eagles played the cream puffest like easiest schedule ever, which made all the idiots in the Delaware Valley think, one, Jalen Hurts is a really good quarterback. He's not. He's overrated. Two, our coach knew what the hell he was talking about. He, like, 
he had like the easy button all that season to get to where he was, and then the wheels came off this season. It, like it all, it all came to fruition that it was all smoke and mirrors. And then it's 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 even worse is that no one's really reacting to the fact that he was just neutered and is just there sitting in his office drinking a cup of coffee, not allowed to do anything. I think that's a big deal, and I've I've definitely focused on that, man, Mike. Where I disagree is the Jalen Hurts is overrated thing, though. I think he's a very good quarterback. I think he is an okay quarterback. I think last year, like, everybody thought it was for real, and it wasn't. They played no one and had no competition, and it was like it was like on rookie mode in Madden. Like, you, of course it's easy to win. Like, you didn't have to play anybody. But now they actually played people, and people were like, oh, is this all you do? And they punched them right back in the face, and that's it. And But and isn't Taylor there somewhere in the middle, Mike? Because I feel – work with me for a little bit here, right? So I think he's great, but maybe he's not going to do what they did in the Super Bowl every single Let's year. He's not say great. Well, he, I he think has he has the potential to – well, if you have skill and you have the potential to be great, I mean – He's you, not great. Okay. Like Who is? Pat Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers? What's that? Who is? Pat Mahomes, well, I mean, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, yeah. Joe I mean, Burrow. It's rarefied air, but yeah, we sure. automatically, we made him, we overrated him to a point that he wasn't there. And, like, he really came back down to earth this year. And I really think that's because he was overrated. Yeah, I think he's properly rated. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. I, I think he's properly rated. I'm not putting him in Pat Mahomes territory. I'm not putting him in the category of Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. But he's in the mix of of very solid, very good quarterbacks in this league. I don't know Chris Sims is also all over the place with it as well. He's once again running his mouth, screaming that he hates Jalen Hurts, and he says it's not personal. I got. Should we go? Can we go to Chris Sims? Okay, we'll go to Chris Sims here. Here's Chris Sims talking about Jalen Hurts, and uh, you know it's more crap from him. You pit him against a, a guy that's high up your rankings that you would take Kyler over. Is there like anybody like oh. a Jalen Hurts or anybody that you would say I got to think real hard? Well, about that would be one of them for really? sure. Yeah, I don't think like you know. Uh, you heard me talk yeah. yesterday. Yeah. You know, Jalen Hurts is re- – I respect a lot about Jalen Hurts, but I, I think Jalen Hurts is also, like, the most overrated player in football. All right? I just that's, – that's me. I know I'm wrong. I take a lot of crap about that comment. But, you know, it's a – it's a – he plays quarterback for a team that's an all-star team. The most overrated player in the NFL. That is so harsh. There's got to be something deeper here. This is so personal now that it's no way about football anymore. I feel that maybe Chris Sims is dealing with an issue where he once felt disrespected in his playing career and thinks that Jalen Hurts deserves more criticism. Something along those lines needs to be in play because he can't stop yapping about him. He's always running his mouth about how bad he is, which is not the case. And if you feel like this is an all-star team and this was the offense you're getting, then you better blast Nick Sirianni. You better destroy Brian Johnson. They are the bigger problem here than the quarterback. They failed the entire team miserably. That offense made no sense. Their design was so bizarre, and it actually really hurt everybody involved. That was the bigger storyline with the offense. I think he's properly rated. Were there bad teams and bad quarterbacks that they played in years past? Yes, absolutely. That definitely did happen, but... 
there's a middle ground here. He's saying, Mad Mike that is, that the Eagles were overrated and they were just beating up on bad teams. They're not as good. They're not as strong. Jalen's not as good. They're more like what they were last year. I don't think that they're getting blown out by Arizona-level bad. I just don't think that that's the case. Things unraveled, and it completely got out of their out of their comfort zone, obviously, and that's where a head coach, especially a CEO head coach, is supposed to put his foot down and command the room. But, yeah, that's your biggest problem is your head coach your and your coaches, and once you put, pretty much put that into place and figure that out, then the quarterback, the wide receivers, the rest – fall underneath. All right, we'll get back on track, though. 215-592-9494. Yes, Chris Sims is talking about Hurts, and we also have the question, the big topic of the day, which is more along the lines of Nick Sirianni, the head coach, and the belief that you have in him or that you don't have in him, and comparing that to Rob Thompson, because I'm starting to get that itch for Phillies baseball. It's right around the corner, seeing the guy speak, watching batting practice, even seeing John Middleton watch batting practice hits my emotional heartstrings a little bit, and it's pulling those strings, and I'm really enjoying it, and I'm excited for this run. I'm excited for this journey. It's not just about, hey, what happens in October. I like the summer. I like going to the beach, throwing on a nice radio broadcast here on WIP, listening to the great crew that we have calling baseball games on the radio. It's a beautiful, beautiful time of the year, and I am really pumped for it, and I believe that Rob Thompson has what it takes to get us back to the promised land, but here's where the concern comes in. Do you think that he can learn from his past failures? Do you think he looks back at the tape, World Series Game 6, with Jose Alvarado and your Don Alvarez, Pulling Jack Wheeler after a hit-by-pitch and a single. Hit-by-pitch, single. Hey, we are yanking him. We're looking for that pocket. They stress the pocket nonstop. They want the pocket of Jose Alvarado with the matchup, whether it's the seventh inning, the eighth inning, the sixth inning. It could be early. It could be late. But when they feel it's necessary to attack the other team's best left-handed hitter and best pretty much stretch of their lineup that includes a left-handed pitcher, or left-handed hitter, excuse me, you bring in your lefty and let Jose Alvarado go to work, does he look back at that and think that those were the reasons that costed the Phillies a chance? Or is he more along the lines of, I I believe if we did this 10 times, we would have won seven of those 10. So I will continue to go back to the well. I'll continue to go down with my guys and then Maybe instead of going down with my guys, we are winning because I stayed true to my guys. And and we'll see how that all plays out moving forward. It'll be very fascinating, but I don't know how to feel about that one, honestly. If I'm just putting both hands up and being honest, speaking to you all, I, I, I don't know if he is willing to open up enough. I think he's a little tiny bit too stubborn. It's nice to know he would definitely pinch hit for Rojas. That's a good start. But it's not nice to know that he would have went right back to Craig Kimbrell in the NLCS last season. So it's starting to maybe open the door for him reassessing, which is nice. But we need more reassessing. We're we're not where we need to be yet. But at least the conversation's ready to be had with Rob. That's sort of what it, it, it sounds like to me. All right, 215-592-9494. We roll into the 3 o'clock hour. 
And we are going to be joined by Clay Harbor, who does an amazing job covering a couple different teams here in the NFL, whether it's the Eagles, you also have the Chicago Bears. He does a great job with Inside the Birds. And, of course, he played in the league for many, many years. So we're going to pick his brain on what's happening with the Birds, and we will continue this great conversation and play some audio from Chris Sims again. Hurts, the whole thing. Rob Thompson, Nick Sirianni, it's going to be a great 3 o'clock hour. 215-592-9494. I'm Broads filling in for the afternoon show here on 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Welcome back to the afternoon show. President's Day, 3 o'clock. I'm Broads hanging out with you, filling in for the crew. They will be back tomorrow. All right. It's 3 o'clock. That means we have our guest for today, one of two guests, and um, unbelievable job Clay Harbor does. Played in the league for nine years, does a great job inside the birds, some stuff with the Chicago Bears as well. He's going to help us out, break down what's going on here in Philadelphia. Clay, what's up, man? What's going on? How you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. Nice little holiday day off here, so everything's great. Really looking forward to seeing how this offseason goes for our Eagles. Yeah, absolutely. So I just want to ask you more of like an overhead view here. Looking at the Eagles coaching staff, they got their hires in Vic Fangio, Kellen Moore, and Nick Sirianni staying up top. Just what's your overall view of that trio? I like it. I think it's improvement. I don't think Vic Fangio is going to, you know, be the the top defense in the the league by any means, but I think there is a good floor there, right? You're not going to have happen – what you had happen last year with the uh, Desai and Patricia debacle, right? So now Fangio is a guy that's written a book on defenses. I think he'll be, you know, somewhere from that 10 to 15 probably defensive range. And with the offense, I think it really comes down to how successful this offense is. You've invested so much in your quarterback, in your wide receivers, in your offensive line. That's really going to be the engine that drives this team, in my opinion. And I think Fangio can do a good job of getting after the quarterback. Dolphins were ninth last year in sacks. I think he, uh, he, he knows how to get good matchups. He knows how to, what to do to get his big-time pass rushers one-on-one. And he's got some weapons there to use. Obviously, I think they still have depth on the D-line. It isn't what it once was, but I still like what they got there as a, as a core defensive line. And I think that's what's gonna, what it's going to take for them to be successful. So I think you could be a top 10, 10 to, to 15 defense in the offense with Kellen Moore, who I think is an excellent hire. I think his time in, in Dallas, he was one of the best in, in, in the game. And last year with the Chargers was tough for him because a lot of injuries happened over there. So I don't blame him for that. But I think that the, the job that they did in finding these coordinators was, was great. It's definitely an upgrade. Last year with Brian Johnson, who in the beginning of the season, I liked the ties with the family of Hurts and all, and maybe it was a little too much for him, or maybe it was just not the right place and the right time for him, and I I do believe that he's better than a lot of Eagles fans give him credit for, but I do think that this trio is a jump up from where they were last year, but I want to get your thoughts being in the locker room at one time, going back to your playing days, and that collapse was so brutal. Is there any thought you think in the players, right, in their minds, when they see the collapse happen, and you know that the coach is doing everything in his power to try and fix it, and there's no 
results. Is there ever any doubt that sets in? Like, hey, I don't know if he has what it takes because no one's questioning Nick Sirianni's work ethic, his ability to be in the in the film room and study. I think he tries every single way to get better, and they couldn't. So could, could that be a detriment, that work ethic and seeing no results, or am I searching too much? I don't think in a locker room that those players – have any reservations about Nick Sirianni and I was able to see a lot of the guys just even over the weekend and talk to them a little about the season I spent some time with Kelsey I saw I got to spend some time with Jordan Mailata spent some time with Lane Johnson even got to see some of the old guys Chris Long Bo Allen got to spend some time with those guys and Nick Sirianni is, is thought of very highly and I'll go back to you know my time in Philly and you know, this might bring up some bad memories for you and for all the <laughs> Eagles fans listening but We'll go back to 2012, right? The last year of Andy Reid, we went 4-12, and and it was an awful year. We had injuries. We went on an eight-game slide. We just couldn't win games. And even during that time, the players loved Coach Reid. We knew he was the guy forcing the ball with him bouncing our way. We knew it came down to us. Coach Reid was a, was a coach that had won many games year in and year out. He's a guy that he was back with the Mike Holm, Holmgren Packers league teams and this guy knew what he was doing we loved him as a coach but for whatever reason we just weren't winning games but I'll tell you this there wasn't one player on that team that said man we really need to fire Andy and bring in Chip Kelly because Andy's just not getting the job done we were all behind Andy as tough as it was that season us losing those games a really down year for the Eagles something that doesn't happen often but no in that locker room just like with us back with Andy, when we're losing all those games, the year he got fired, and now with Nick Sirianni, the players are behind him. They stand with him, and obviously that's something that, that Jeffrey Lurie has to decide and how he, if he's the guy to lead this organization. But as far as the players are concerned, they will still go out to battle and fight with Nick Sirianni as their general. Hey, I like that answer. I do. I want that to be the case, and I want that to be right, and I want it all to work out. I want Nick Sirianni to be the answer. I just – I'm a little nervous, that's all. But I think that was an excellent answer, by the way. All right, so let's continue. Hassan Reddick's been in the news lately and all with this contract, and how do you think the Eagles should play this? Should they give him top-tier money to be a great defense uh, pass rusher? I mean, he definitely gets to the quarterback, and you lack getting to the quarterback, as we saw at the back end of the season. Or should they be open to hearing what else is available, potentially, to maybe look to use that money in other ways? You know, in my eyes, you you keep your ears open, right? You're not going to not take a call if somebody's interested in in trading for San Reddick. He's only 29 years old, and he had 11 sacks this year. Obviously, he had the 16 last year, so back-to-back years, this guy has produced greatly. But it is the last year of his deal. So you listen to the offers, and sometimes you got to make tough decisions like that if you want to invest in other parts of your team, maybe find somebody younger and cheaper. I mean, you go back to Brett Veach when he traded Tyreek Hill. Everybody's up in arms. Patrick Mahomes isn't going to be able to do it without Tyreek Hill. There isn't one path to victory, as Brett Veach shows, when he traded away the best wide receiver in football. Guess who won the Super Bowl this year? The Kansas City Chiefs, even after trading away Tyreek Hill. If you trade away Hassan Reddick and you got a plan to allocate that money to somebody else, to some other position that you think is more important, can get something done, then you do it. Obviously, Hassan Reddick is still young-ish, you know, about to be 30, 29, going to be 30 by the start of next season. But 
I think if the offer is there and you like it, you can take it. But, I mean, that's all up to Howie. And that, there, there's not one path to victory here. You can win with Hassan Reddick. You've already seen that. You got to the Super Bowl with him because he was a guy that was getting to the quarterback. You know, this year, obviously, you didn't have as much success as you wanted. Same player there. So, to me, yeah, you're listening to everything. I'm not saying trade him. I'm not saying don't trade him. I'm not saying you have to, you have to re-up his contract this year. He's got one more year in the deal. Play out this year, worst-case scenario. If he earns the money, you bring him back. If you think he's still trending upward when he's 30, about to be 31, get him in a three-year deal, he'll be done when he's 34, then okay. If not, you can trade him, get a younger player, maybe a little bit more value down the road, and that works too. So in my opinion, I don't think there's a wrong answer here. I think you can have a lot of right answers here. You just got to be sure for what you're doing. Think back to Brett Beach trading Tyreek Hill and what happened with them and who won the Super Bowl this year, the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that's absolutely true. I'm right there with you. It's about the execution, really. You could sell me trading him, getting the pick or whatever, and then using that money to help build the defense. As long as you execute properly, you do have some good options just on Howie at that point. So let's now transition to our quarterback, Jalen Hurts. How would you describe his play last year? Because, I mean, I don't think it was a disaster by any means. There were a lot of factors, and then obviously towards the end it was a little rough. But it's a hard one to really describe, I feel. But if you can describe it, how would you? I mean, you said it. It's it's a tough one to describe because you don't want to just put all the emphasis and blame on Jalen Hurts in this situation because I think he has shown he's a dynamic player. I don't think he was 100% healthy. They weren't running the zone read, and that's a big part of his game. They weren't running the zone read to the same type of way they were running it the year before. In my opinion, two years ago, he was the best zone read quarterback in the league, and they kind of got away from that because he didn't seem to have the same burst, the same explosiveness. I don't know if there's an injury there. I don't know what what the situation was. I don't think they ever came out and and really detailed what was going on with Hurts. And then the RPO stuff, that was a huge part of his game last year, and this just didn't work the same this year. The run-pass option. The reads weren't the same, and I think that has something to do maybe with Brian Johnson, and I think Kellen Moore can maybe get him back on the same page as last year. And obviously, I think that teams can adapt to that, but there's so many options in the run-pass option. If you run that play right, they're always wrong. The defense is always wrong when you have a quarterback like Jalen Hurts that can run the zone read. Not every team can do that. If you have Jalen Hurts, a guy that can run, take quick release, and can make these decisions, you should be, it should be hard to stop because you can give it to the running back. You can pull with the quarterback or you can throw it. Not every team has the opportunity to do that. Only a few teams have that type of quarterback that can do all those things. So to me, you've got to utilize it, and they didn't do a good job of utilizing that this year. But to me, the number one thing that Jalen Hurts has to work on this offseason, obviously it goes with the offensive coordinator, it goes with the offensive line, it goes with the running backs as far as blitz pickup, Tight ends, too. I know for my time in the league, tight ends have a big, big part in blitz. Zero blitz was just killing the Eagles at the end of the year. If you have a whole day in the locker room. You go in, and your Friday practice is all blitz. Excuse me, Thursday practice is blitz. It's third down and blitz. You look at every blitz. You go over and over and over your outlet. These are the runs we're going to run against the blitz. These are the passes we're going to use against the blitz. Here is how we're going to beat their blitz. This team likes to zero blitz. This team likes to zone blitz. This team likes to man blitz. You should have known after what week Martindale did you in New York to Jets, you lose that game because of all the blitzing. You come into Tampa, they're going to do the same thing. 
And for, for, for me, how do you not have a plan for that? To me, that is inexcusable, and a big part of that does fall on Jalen. He has the opportunity to call audibles. He has the opportunity to call hot routes. He has the opportunity to change protection. So even if you're not in the right call, Jalen can override a lot of that stuff. So I'm not sure exactly whose fault it was, and there were some blown protections that could, could be not on Jalen or the offensive coordinator. But in my opinion, you got to beat the blitz because now the book is out on you. Hey, look at the last two games this guy played, last three, four games. The zero, this guy can't handle blitz. He's not getting the ball out. They're not running the right route. So this offseason, OTAs, training camp, you make an emphasis to handling zero blitz because that is what you're going to get thrown at you. And obviously, I think, you know, when you're not 100% healthy with Goddard or your receivers, that hurts. I think you can bring in a slot receiver, maybe a second tight end, and then make sure that the protection up front is good. But to me, Jalen's got to get better at the blitz, and they got to get back on track in the RPO, the run-pass option game. We're talking to Clay Harbor, nine-year NFL veteran, does an amazing job. And let's go to your defensive tackles right now because there are some question marks with your uh, defensive interior linemen. Would you bring back Fletcher Cox? I'm a little biased, man, because I played I play with Fletch back in the day. I mean, me and Fletch played together. I'm waking up with more back pain. This guy's still getting it done. I thought Fletch, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, man. This guy, just like BG. I'd bring back both of those guys. I think they both want to be in Philly. They don't want to upend their families. They're, they're loved in the, in the area. Philadelphia loves those two guys. They're part of the Super Bowl team. They're guys that bring that mentality that you want to bring. And he, not only is Fletch gonna, still producing on the field, He's a guy you want to have there for a guy like Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, some of the young guys. Show them how to do things. He's that veteran presence in the locker room, and that matters. He knows what it means to be a Philadelphia Eagle. He knows how to win. He's won a Super Bowl there. He was a big piece of that team. He's a big piece of many playoff teams. And Fletcher is a guy that I would bring back, and I think you can get him a little bit of discount. Like I said, these guys don't want to up and leave Philly for the last one to two years of their career. They want to stay there. So he might take a million yes less per year to stay in Philly, just like BG. BG wants to come back. He wants to stay in Philly. He don't want to go nowhere else. He's been there his whole career. Me and, me and BG were in the same draft class. He's still getting it done. I think you need to bring those two guys back, not just because on the field, yes, that's a big part of it, but in the locker room, they are mainstays. They know what it takes to be professionals, and that is one of the things you want to have around these young players is those two consistent veterans that show the young guys what it takes to have a successful career in this league. In my opinion, no questions. They're going to take discounts to come back to Philly, bring both those guys back. My last one for you, Clay. Does Eddie Jackson, does that name move the needle for you? Yeah, you know, obviously I'm out here in Chicago. I do a lot of work with 670 to score and NBC Sports Chicago. I'm watching all these Bears games. And Eddie Jackson, Vic Fangio, you know, you got him there. He used to play with Vic Fangio. I think Eddie had a down year last year. You know, he gave up 120 passer rating when targeted, but I would like that. He's a veteran guy. You got some young guys you want to bring up still. Obviously, you know, you don't, you got Blankenship, I think played well. And then Sidney Brown hopefully can come back. You got Byard there and Justin Evans. But overall, I think that Eddie would be a nice veteran presence. He is a huge locker room guy. I think that he could help the team. He's a guy that you know he's going to be in the right position. I think Eddie Jackson would be good, but even ahead of that, I think you got to bring in some linebackers, maybe like a Patrick Queen 
a guy that can play off ball. He had 48 pressures, eight sacks the past two seasons, second most for, for linebackers in the past two years for off ball. I think in the draft, you got to go cornerback. Quinion Mitchell, a guy I saw at the Senior Bowl, guy that can really play. Xavier McKinney, former New York Giant, the guy is a tackling machine, only had seven missed tackles, 7% missed tackles, top 10 in the NFL. Even another bear, Darnell Mooney, slot guy, get him on a discount. I think there's a number of things that how he can do this offseason with guys that aren't going to be getting the top dollar. He's got $20 million in cap space, but you can move that around, bring in some veterans, you bring in some young guys, and you fill these holes, you still got the outline of a team that has a chance to compete for a Super Bowl. You fill the rest in with some solid professionals, some solid players. Like you said, Eddie Jackson, I think you're still in the position to go out there and compete for a championship. Clay, thanks so much, man. A lot of great stuff. I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your day to talk to us, and uh, we'll stay in touch. Appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Have a good one, Clay. That was Clay Harbor, nine-year NFL veteran. Of course, spent some time here with the Philadelphia Eagles and some other squads as well. Good stuff, man. Very passionate guy about the, the football world. He does an excellent job. All right, 215-592-9494. That's the phone number to hop on board. And he, he did bring up some interesting stuff there about Jalen Hurts. And when the blitz is a very known thing that is constantly going to be attacking you, whether you see the New York Giants, whether you see Todd Bowles and what's happening down in Tampa Bay, as much as we want to rip apart the head coach and rip apart maybe the scheme, how much of this is our quarterback needs to recognize, too, that you cannot constantly just think you're going to go out there and effectively be – we, we got to be more knowledgeable prior to the snap, see what's going on. It falls on everybody. If the scheme is a zero, well, then it's very hard to operate a scheme that's going to give you a zero. I, I'm aware of that. There's only so much you can do from a quarterback position. If you fix the scheme, I do believe that Jalen Hurts gets fixed organically because of that, and we do live in a world where we love our quarterback to just step up to the line and start picking everything apart like they're Peyton Manning in their prime. And if you take a look at how quarterbacks play the game nowadays, it's different. Everyone's really, outside of a few, a system quarterback to some degree because the college game changed and then you're more mobile here in the NFL and the offensive schemes have all sort of adapted. So there's so many variables on why that's the case. But I did think that that was definitely highlighted when he was was talking out loud. Um, but I, I do want to get back on to our big topic of today's show, and that's really looking at Rob Thompson and Nick Sirianni. And who do you have more trust in moving forward for their big upcoming seasons? Nick Sirianni was stripped of all of his duties, and now there are two guys in place on their respected side of the ball that's supposed to take charge. Kellen Moore will really be the DNA of the offense. Vic Fangio will be the DNA of the defense. If the Eagles succeed, how much of that falls on the shoulders of Sirianni? And if it is great with time management, great with timeouts, great with personnel on the field, challenging the plays, being detailed, everything a CEO head coach is supposed to take control over, then I will give him a ton of credit. But if there are still some things that are extremely sloppy from the CEO level and it's really just the two coordinators shining, well, then I don't know if I feel great about Nick. And quite honestly, deep down, I don't feel great about Nick. I don't. I am very concerned. I don't know if you could put the pieces back together. You could try and put tape over it. And that's essentially what this feels like to me is them putting tape over it and Band-Aids hoping that they could fix it, but it needs surgery. And that's the issue. With Rob... 
does he need surgery? No. What he does doesn't need surgery. I think he just needs to put a Band-Aid on his flaws. You see the difference? He doesn't need a full-on operation, but he does need to change a little bit of, of, of wiring because the issue with him is he will pull Zach Wheeler and go to Jose Alvarado versus Jordan Alvarez in the World Series, and it will crumble. He will go to... Craig Kimbrell, when it's obvious he has nothing left in the tank, or he'll allow Rojas to bat in the fourth inning with the bases loaded when you have an opportunity to blow the game open, when your brand as an offense is to rake and your team is built to score a bunch of runs, that's what you do well. That's when you have to pounce, and he went down swinging. I don't care if Pache or if it's Stubbs or if it's anybody, Jake Cave, I don't care if you have really poor options outside of Rojas. If it's better than less than 100 batting average, then it's better than Rojas. Rojas was that abysmal where we don't even know if he's playing Major League Baseball next year. And that's what you went down swing with. I can't have that. So you you got to put Band-Aids on Rob. You need surgery with Nick. That's my view. But what say you? 215-592-9494. Let's go to David in Iowa. What's going on, David? You're a 94 WIP. Hey, good afternoon. Sir. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm great. How are you, David? I'm feeling your whole topical point of the 100 bat numbers. <laughs> it's hilarious to me. What's man. the, the truth? I, it, but the, 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 you, you, <laughs> it, you hit the nail on the yeah. You know, you, you didn't say nothing wrong. It's like dude, thank you, come David. Up here three times to swing the bat. Yeah, it's That's unbelievable. He couldn't even bunt. Yeah. Then we didn't ask you to swing out the park. Just make contact. Then you come up there looking like Cassianos with the shirt halfway always unbuttoned. Now, the defense, eh, but the defense, to me, he augments the bat movement. And as a player, former player, not professional, but you augment the, like, when you come in and you see the lineup, you know he's, like, in between 7, 8, or 9. 9 used to be where the pitcher was until they changed all the laws and bylaws. But... I just think we need a better piece out there. Now I don't know how you sec how you supplement the defense. I'm not saying bring Ozubo back. I'm not saying bring. I mean, I'm not point, saying bring. But it's got to be somebody better. Even though we got uh, the, the W guy, I call him the W guy. Whit Whit Merrifield. Yeah, because we got a long last thing. The W guy. All right, we got him. That's fine. But we need a piece, man. Like, so man, you're not you don't love the season. you don't love the the outfield. Is that what you're saying? I want him on the. I want him in AAA so he can refine his skills and hone his hone his skills. Because when it comes to batting, I don't know if he's lacking confidence. I don't know what it is. I just it's, it's something about this guy that. But you see what happened in the in the in the, in the, uh, the, in the, the championship, right? Yeah, he definitely crumbled. He had an awesome he regular season, but yeah, he, I know he's not he's not ready yet. They're, but they have Brandon Marsh, and they do have Whit Merrifield now, and they have Pat but Marsh is hurt. I think Marsh will be all right though. It's not a long term worry. Yeah, but I would take I would take Thompson, and I'm gonna leave you with this one. Okay, I'll take Thompson over Sirianni. So if Sirianni and I, and I asked you this the other day. If Sirianni's the head coach, what is his responsibility? What, does he make sure that everybody's got their flight passes, they check it? What is his job? Like you're saying, he's got stripped of the DNA. It's going to be Kellen Moore on offense. But what does the head coach do? It's a great question. It's a, and Thanks, David. And it's not the same as Harbaugh down in Baltimore. It's not the same as Dan Campbell because they actually have a personality with their team. 
they have something that describes how their team plays. And if this is how Nick Sirianni's team plays and it describes him, that's a problem. That's a problem. All right, they actually have way more respect in their respected rooms compared to where Nick Sirianni is right now. Their resumes speak for itself. I don't know about Dan Campbell. I don't know how long that lasts, though. I don't think Dan Campbell is going to be standing around for 15 years as this big rah-rah guy. It was a nice, cute little story in Detroit, but you better show me seven years of sustained success before I start screaming that Dan Campbell knows exactly what he's doing. All right, 215-592-9494. We will reset on the other side. Rob Thompson, Nick Sirianni. Who do you have more trust in? We'll get an update on our Twitter poll. We'll hear more audio. And, of course, it was the NBA All-Star Weekend. And, yes, there's controversy surrounding that game last night. If you watched it, God bless you. We'll talk more about it. 215-592-9494. I'm Broads filling in here on the WIP Afternoon Show. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Welcome back. This is the WIP Afternoon Show. I'm Broads. Kicking it. Hanging with you. The crew will be in tomorrow on this President's Day, though. It's it's me. All right, so we're going to go to our Twitter poll, which is brought to us by Mark's Jewelers. Looking for wedding bands or bridal party gifts? Shop Mark's Jewelers' extensive collection for the perfect gift. Online at marks-jewelers.com. And our Twitter poll question of the day is... Who do you have more trust in entering the 2024 season, Rob Thompson or Nick Sirianni? And we are sitting at 80% Rob, 20% Nick, which blows my mind a little bit. Here's a response, though. After the last two debacles in the World Series and in the NLCS, and the fact that he admitted that he would go back and put Kimbrell in the game tells me all I need to know. How does anyone have confidence in Rob? By the way, I don't trust Nick either with a cracking up mood. So now we just feel like I don't have faith in any of them. I, I, that's a little crazy, right? You know, you got to pick one here. You got to pick one or the other. I feel great about Tortorella. I feel great about Nick Nurse. They're not even in the conversation today because, well, Nick Nurse is a very tactical coach, which is solid. John Tortorella has this Flyers team buzzing, albeit after a really bad loss to the New Jersey Devils, which was a very important two points in the standings for the boys. You know, like that's big. That was a big swing, and they better respond. I believe on Wednesday night is the next time they take the ice. But when it comes down to these two, uh, you know, Nick has got to be way farther down on your list, by the way, last year ended. But there's also other stuff happening around the sports world, and it's a big hot topic today after the NBA All-Star game happened. Let's start here. Ben, did you watch any of the NBA All-Star game yesterday? Uh, No. Not once, not. not one second? I didn't turn it on, no. Okay. I was reading a book last night. Wow. Yeah. How'd that go? Not not that well. No. <laughs> <laughs> Five pages, you closed it. I, I Honestly, I'm, well, I'm, re, I'm going back through a book that I didn't pay attention well enough the first time I read it. That seems like a problem considering you're doing it again. Yep. Yep, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, so you read the book instead of the All-Star game. So I was in my office at home last night, and I had it on the TV just as background noise, but I was editing some stuff on my computer and whatnot. I wasn't paying too much attention to it. And there's obviously outrage due to the fact that it wasn't very appealing. One team scored 200 points, and 
I want you all to take a listen here to Anthony Edwards, who made the All-Star game, he played in the game, and just listen to the mentality from the athletes today, and it pretty much sums up exactly why we saw the vomit that we saw. Um, that's a good, cool, great question. Um, I think for me, it's an All-Star game, so I don't think it, it. I will ever look at it like being super competitive. It's always fun. Um, but I don't know what they can do to make it more competitive. I don't know. I think everyone looks at it. It's, it's like a, it's a break. So I don't think nobody want to come here and compete. <laughs> now, if you were to go back and listen to Kobe, I promise you it doesn't sound like that. That's why we get what we get. And I don't think that there's anything the league can do to change that mentality from the athletes. You're going to have to look at the NFL, see how they switch the Pro Bowl, because you have to adapt. And the NBA All-Star game just won't work as currently constructed. And if they're getting numbers, then they're getting numbers, and maybe it will work because we all complain, yet I had it on my TV. Maybe you're like Ben and you do the whole route of reading a book, but until we end up actually turning the televisions off, then maybe they don't even make an adjustment. That was horrible last night. I mean, it was it was horrible. It's it's so bad. The product is so bad. I I might approach this from a different angle. Okay, like you you think it's bad, but you didn't spend the night watching it. You're right. My problem is all the people like like I just don't turn it on. I I know what it is. I'm good. I can spend a night doing something else. Everybody who watches it, but then spends the entire night complaining while they're watching. Mm-hmm. Talking about how great the game used to be and uh, the all-star games used to be proper. It's like, dude, just turn it off. Like the, <laughs> You're right. The complaining <laughs> about it honestly irritates me more than the game itself. No, I, dude, there's plenty of examples where I feel the same way where instead of it actually being about the content anymore, it's about complaining about, about the content. Everybody. It happens all the time in this sports world and just different occasions. But, yeah, no, you're right. Here I am about to complain for the next 15 minutes about it, yet at the end of the day I could have just turned my TV off, put on Friends, put on anything else, and I would have been all right, yet I actually sat through the filth enough to complain about how miserable it was. I mean, I, I mean more in the moment like like you can have a discussion of how to make it better i think everyone wants it to be better it's more like i i i obviously went on twitter last night and at that point it's everyone being like oh they don't play defense and what what happened to this game we used to love it's like dude just go do go for a walk <laughs> go do something else is there a way they can fix it though is there really a way? Could you do what hockey does and change the format so it's three on three? It's a pickup game similar to what you would think you do when you go to the park. And, you know, one thing I thought of is there. there's this old thing you used to do when you played pickup hockey on the frozen pond. Everyone puts their sticks in the middle, and then you just start chucking a stick to each side, and then you don't know what the teams are going to be, and then that's how you pick your teams, right? So Sounds very safe. You, well, no one's standing where you chuck the sticks, but you throw five sticks one way, five sticks the other way, and then you just happen to see where the teams fall. What if it was like that, where there's, I don't know, you you, you get a pair of shoes. You don't know what shoes for what guy. You chuck them each way, and then it ends up being LeBron, KD, Tyrese Maxey, Anthony Davis versus whatever, Giannis, Damian Lillard. So I don't know. I don't know if that changes anything. I, it might just be stupid. I'm just trying to figure out ways to make this more creative, fun, this and that. At the end of the day, even if you did pick teams differently, the product of the game's still going to suck. No, you you have to do what baseball used to do. Give the winner of – give the conference, whatever team comes out of it, the winner of the game, home field advantage in the finals. Here's the problem. I like that in theory. 
You think Luka Doncic gives you a damn? If you're not involved, I'm saying, let's say Dallas isn't involved. You know you're not making the playoffs. So now my Western Conference but, team. But everybody makes the playoffs. So Or, or the play-in tournament. Like 80% of the league makes the playoffs. So in theory, like the Heat did it, I guess, but like they are physically able to keep winning to make the finals. It's not as if there are many people in the game that are just totally out totally of it. Totally out of it. Right. So if you're a ninth or tenth seed, you technically are still fighting because – but you know, if you're a tenth seed in the NBA, you know you're not an NBA championship caliber team. I, I bet you most of the starters last night play for teams relevant enough to care about that. If that is the case, then I think that could work. If that – if I know I'm getting by it, but what if the Joker is just – Doing one of his little lollygagging down the court. And and moving around like a milk cart. He does that anyway, though, and then he drops 50. And his team's in the running for a legit championship run, so it's different. But there's got to be guys out there who who are just out there because it's cool. I'm an NBA all-star. I don't care too much about it. My team isn't that great. And then that person might have a, a, a cause and an effect here on who gets home court advantage in the NBA Finals. Well, th- that person deserves to go on the road. Like but if, his team's going to be out of it. Now you're hurting you're hurting the Nuggets or you're hurting the Sixers. What if what if we do this and the Sixers actually make it to the Eastern Conference Finals? They go to the NBA Championship and now game 7's on the road because Damian Lillard didn't care about the All-Star game and now we lose in 7 on the road in a heartbreaking fashion. But would have won if it was at the center. Um yeah, get Maxi to care more about the All-Star game. Oh, like, come on. Like get the guys you send to care more. It's not that hard. Yeah, it's not that hard. Play Anthony Edwards again and tell me it's not that hard. 215-592-9494. Did you embrace the All-Star game at all yesterday? And do you have any, any ways to fix it? Because I'm trying. I'm trying my best. All right, looks like Dennis here uh, wants to chime in and maybe give us a thought or two on how to fix it. What's up, Dennis? You're on WIP. Yo, good to talk to you again, uh, oh, Rose. Absolutely. Uh, before, I get, before, I, before I get to my all-star point, uh, can we change Mad Mike's name to One Trick Pony Mike? Because that's all he's got I every know. time he calls. Everybody's I overrated. I hate everybody. I'm, I'm a genius. <clears throat> but anyway, the only way, and I don't even know if this would do it, the only way to fix the all-star game, international players against American players. Ooh. I kind of like that. Well, they would kick our ass. Maybe. Okay, well, well, maybe the Americans would play with some pride. I do think that there would be some pride involved, but is the pride big enough to outweigh what if I get injured for my season's backstretch run? Because that's always in the back of their mind, right? Like, we have a backstretch to do. I got to get paid a lot of money. Is that pride more beneficial to them than the alternative? I don't know the answer. And that's what I said. It, it, that's what I said. Maybe that wouldn't even work. And offering them, offering money to the winners, that ain't going to work either. Like you can't. What are you going to do? The winning, the, uh, every player on the winning team, five million dollars a piece. I mean, that that that's that would be ridiculous, especially when uh, LeBron's worth five billion. I mean, I. Right. I, no, I, I, I don't I, think the money was – I know the NHL tried to do it and all, but NHL guys don't make the same money as these NBA contracts and these deals and contracts outside of the game and all. I don't know if money would do it either. 
Uh, It's it's honestly part of this new wave, and here I am sounding like a get-off-my-lawn guy at 28 years old, but it's this new wave of athletes. It's their mentality with everything, and these athletes have been given so much power from the time they're four years old playing AAU that they run the show, and they run the asylum, and this is sort of why we're in this predicament. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're, like, trying not – I don't know what the word would be. You hate to sound like, uh, you know, America, that we have the best players and all. And But the last three MVPs, if not more, were all uh, foreign-born players. Oh, dude, that would be an intense game. Like That, that would be – and thanks, Dennis. I appreciate the phone call. If it was that, it, it would it would be an intense battle if you can get everybody on the same page to truly compete. But don't they have all these FIBA stuff anyway? If they're if they care that much, they would take that to the FIBA tournament, I would imagine. And I there's also the chance that it's there isn't anything to fix it. That's kind of where I'm at. I think so too. Like I like we did it with the NFL. We realized that the product stunk and we kind of moved on and we're like, all right, like it's it's lame. Nobody really cares. So we're just gonna move on and, and accept that. Here's another thought, because I tend to agree with you. I'm just honestly spitballing everything. It was Indiana. Okay. Meh. What if they did something so big overseas, keeping it in the same sort of conversation of bringing in the the, the, the different backgrounds and the, the different, um, you know, places that people come from? What if they did it in Paris? I don't know. Maybe that's stupid. Maybe those athletes are going, what? I have to fly to Paris, fly back, get ready with my team. I got my family. I don't know. Paris is a big ass to bring people of your family to it as well. Maybe that's a little bit aggressive, but I would just think that the platform of going to a whole different, you're in Paris for the All-Star game. You're just in this new spot. It's not Indiana. Would that bring any pop? How long is the All-Star break? I know, that's what I was worried about. You're going to send him halfway across the world and then send him right back. Yeah, to start it. And then some team's going to have a back-to-back on a Thursday-Friday to kick off their second half of the season. Exactly. I'd be a horrendous commissioner. All right, let's go to John in Albany. John, you're on 94 WIP. Hey, John. Uh, Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling, John. So, uh, we need a solution to the All-Star game that's unwatchable. And my suggestion is that... Instead of going with those stars, which they're now being tarnished by playing in this game, if you might agree with me, I would say let's look for the fan favorite from uh, the top 24 teams in the NBA. Have them bring in their player that comes off the bench or a little further down the bench and incentivize those guys with a big paycheck if they win the game and let the uh, (laughs) all-stars who are uh, on the sidelines – uh, cheer them on, as so, <laughs> they typically do in the last five minutes of the game. <laughs> so it's really a a bench all-star game, essentially. That's right. That's right. That's right. You know what? I, I actually kind of like it. I, it's goofy, and I kind of like it. So LeBron, but are we getting to the point where it's such a – I mean, it's a joke now anyway, but is LeBron the coach? Like, are we having player co- – are the all-stars the coaching staff? Well, I think I think anything's on the table, and that might be a great idea. You know, have LeBron there, uh, have you know Giannis have a uh, you know rooting for the you know the tenth guy on his bench. You know, putting him in. You know, those guys are going to play hard. It's they're in the spotlight, and uh, if you put some money on the table, they're going to play even harder. And uh, you know, it, it, it just is not working with these super you know super athletes, super paid athletes. You know, money's part of the equation, but 
at the end of the day, you want to see a really competitive product out there with NBA players. Let's put the players out there who want to play, who can play, and who, who might who might as a result of it get a little bit more time. All right, John, thanks for taking the time to call in and sharing your opinion. I doubt the NBA ever goes that route, but it's so bad that I'm willing to hear out everybody and hear what they have to say about it because it is an issue right now. And and I'm kind of with you, though, Ben. I don't know if there's a fix because these athletes are wired this way and they're not going to compete like Kobe Bryant once did. There There isn't that fire anymore. And I forget where I heard this take, so I really do apologize, but – I think it was someone on the national broadcast or someone who was covering the events over the weekend. And it was along the lines, I'm paraphrasing, but it was along the lines of these guys work their ass off in practice behind closed doors, right? And the difference is timing. This is during the offseason. But if you were to watch LeBron James get ready and prepare for the season, he'll put in, maybe not at this point in his career because it's LeBron James, but I'd imagine so. You're able to keep up this pace for a reason. But pick any example of any athlete. They put in the work and do intense workouts, intense games, intense five-on-fives throughout these off-seasons. Well, if that's the case, why can't you utilize that mentality to the All-Star game and and pretend like you're putting in work? Would it be crazy to think during a random off-season day, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard get up shots together and really put in work? Of course, where they're drenched in sweat for an hour, they're just they got their asses kicked in a workout. Yeah, that happens. Well, why can't we get that mentality here in a on a 5-on-5 pickup game essentially? That's intense and the light's shining bright. Uh, some people are unhappy about that mentality, that everybody's friends, and that there's no real conflict anymore. That probably plays a role. You're dapping everybody up, and there's no hatred. Like, if you hate somebody, and then you see each other in the All-Star game, and you're you're matched up in isolation ball, and it's one-on-one, and you think that that guy's going to take them or whatever, is that an intense moment that we're missing out on? I would, I would say yes. Yes, especially if it's T.J. McConnell against Alex Caruso. Oh, jeez. Because that's that's what brings me to the television. <laughs> you you wouldn't watch the the, no. <laughs> the the five bench the five best bench pieces in the NBA against the five best in the West versus Doug McDermott versus oh. Alexi Shred. <laughs> like, uh, there's a reason people don't watch these people on television. But LeBron would be the coach. Forgot that part of it. All right, let's go to Jack and Mount Laurel. Jack, you're on 94 WIP. Hey, Jack. What's up? What's up? How's it going? What's going on, man? How you feeling? Good, good. I mean, I, I was thinking, I don't think we can we can fix it. I'm thinking, I don't want to see LeBron, KD get hurt. Like, I, I don't like, either. Like, I watch NBA every every day. Like, I don't want to see Luka get hurt. I don't want to see. So, uh, if you watch the Rising Stars, which I turned it on a little bit, the Benedict Mather and Jaden Ivey like feud was interesting. Um, I think obviously the dunk contest was a, was a flop, but like I don't want like I, every time LeBron dunked last night, I'm like, yo, I hope he doesn't land weird. Like, Jack, it's ruin the he, Lakers season. He, he almost missed that one dunk. He was right. oh my, there was, I don't know if that was his first dunk or whatever, but he touched the rim with the ball. He did not have hops. <laughs> right, I saw that. I'm like, yo, if he comes down weird, like Lakers season zero, I'm like, I don't know if we 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 want this too much either. Like he didn't even play the second half, so it, it's hard to fix it for him. I don't disagree, though, that I don't want to see anybody get hurt, right? But is there a middle ground on not trying to get people hurt and then what we saw last night? I don't know what that would be, right? Because if they're giving 30% effort and they're not going to give 100% effort, what does a 70% effort game look like? I don't know. Is that enough to even satisfy us? Probably not, I'd say. 
It was we. I, I, it was weird. Like I, throughout the years, I've never seen that. Like Dame's pulling up from the logo like four times, and I'm like, dude, what am I watching? Like they're not even like actually playing basketball right now. So that, last night was weird, or last the last I was thinking was super weird. Maybe the three on three might be like, or the one on ones. They do that in USA, where like one on one three dribbles. One on one would be fire. You're telling three me dribbles, LeBron? Though, three yeah, that's cool. LeBron, KD, three dribble, one on one. I'm watching. Right, I'm watching. Five points, first one to five, first one to six. Like, we'll do something weird like that, but the, the game is, is lost in itself. Ooh, thanks, Jack. I appreciate the phone call. Now I have a bracket in my mind, sort of like a March Madness, and it's one-on-one. Maybe we could do different cities. Am I getting way too obnoxious now? Where there's three different cities, and this is a multiple-day event. Now that makes no sense. Now there's more travel involved. This is nuts. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for even bringing that up. I got to be smarter. Let's go to Rob in Upper Darby. Rob, you're on 94 WIP. I got the best idea in the world. Oh. You got to do All-Stars versus Legends. I would love to see Jordan versus LeBron. Just let them do something completely ridiculous, but bring the Legends back. Is there an like, age game- limit, Rob? No, bring back, like, Kareem versus Jokic. I mean, I'm talking Larry Bird versus Damian Lillard. How would you love to see Legends versus All-Stars in something that they're not going to get hurt, like horse? Well, well Rob, this, this is what I was going to say, right? Like, we're worried about these prime athletes at age 30-plus, 28, 29, 30, 31. We're worried you about mean, them getting hurt, but the 80-year-old, we're putting him in the post. Give Jordan a chance to come back and show up LeBron he would. He's the most competitive human being walking planet Earth right now. That would be like people would tune in just to see that. Because I thought about this during the flag football thing a couple of weeks ago at the All- at the Pro Bowl. Wouldn't it be great to see some of the legends come back, like Dawkins, Randy Moss? These guys could play flag football for forty minutes. I mean, have them go up against you know. I mean, Ray Lewis. I mean, that would be incredible to have All Stars versus Legends. I mean, it's interesting. And thanks, Rob. I appreciate the phone call. It's interesting. I just don't know at what point are we talking a 70-year-old man out there and he's putting up shots. I just keep going back to if we're getting nervous about a 30-year-old in their prime of their career and just breaking down, we don't want them to get injured, it's hard for me to think about a 70-year-old man out there in the gym putting up jumpers unless we get some – Documents. I want documents. You've been playing for five years. You're 68 years old, but you're 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 in a good spot. Fine. I need a doctor's note. That's how I would do it if I'm the NBA. Give me a doctor's note. Let me know you're still playing, even if it's with Adam Sandler. I don't care if you're playing pickup with Adam Sandler in the big baggy shorts and you're putting up shots with him. It doesn't matter. It's just some form of physical play, and then maybe we'll, we'll let that slide. All right, two one five. 592-9494. Fun little side topic, of course, after yesterday and the NBA All-Star Weekend. Some really good stuff. Shooting the basketball. The three-point competition was solid. Uh, the, the, the slam dunk thing, the slam dunk contest has, it has the ability to be amazing. We all reference Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon. It's hard to duplicate that level of wow But that was special. That is something that is insane that you can't miss. It's so legendary that we all use that perfectly when describing what it needs to be every year. The problem is, though, when it's a flop, it is hard to watch. We got Jalen Brown dunking over someone who's 5'3", sitting down. What are we doing? Luckily, McClung 
is the hero, I guess, because that dude could just do whatever he wants. I couldn't imagine being able to dunk like he dunks. But overall, it was a pretty disappointing weekend, and the NBA definitely has to figure some things out. 215-592-9494. We roll into the 4 o'clock hour where we will continue our conversation about Rob Thompson and the trust level in him managing this baseball team moving forward and Bryce Harper's contract extension and the Phillies with big plans and a big trade that could be on the horizon potentially. Hmm, interesting. 215-592-9494. I'm Broads filling in for the nine, uh, for the WIP afternoon show here on 94 WIP. That's the big thing. We gotta win more games and understand that uh, you know this is this is a window that we we gotta win in, and uh, you know, our ownership deserves that, our fans deserve that, uh, Dombrowski deserves that as well, and we do too. So um, we gotta go out there and play our game and uh, play Philly baseball, and you know we'll see what happens. That's Bryce Harper getting us ready for some Phillies baseball. Welcome back in to the afternoon show. I'm Broads filling in for Ike for Jack. And the rest of the crew. Yeah, man, Bryce Harper. There's something special about hearing him speak. He's ready for the season. And so is John Middleton. All right, listen to this. John Clark of NBC Sports Philadelphia throws this out there at 343. So about what's that, 15 minutes ago? He's told that Philly's owner, John Middleton, in a big team meeting today, had the full squad and said something that he told Ryan Howard 15 years ago. I want our blank trophy back. Go get it. It's time. So John Middleton inspiring the crew, huh? Swallow it. You think Kyle Schwarber's sitting there going, that's right, damn it. That's right, John. That's right. You get me inspired, baby. That's right. We're going to get that trophy. How about John Middleton? Mr. Middleton, if you will, trying to get the boys going. I love watching him look like a proud dad behind the batting cage, just looking at these guys as if he's not paying them billions of dollars. And he looks at his payroll. Ah, forget it. That's just a tax write-off. This is all just a tax write-off for me. I'm just going to watch the best leadoff hitter of all time, Kyle Schwarber, take some batting practice right now. It's un- unbelievable stuff. And that's not the only Philadelphia Phillies news to drop over the last little bit of time. I woke up this morning. And I'm hearing all sorts of reports about Anaheim. What's going on with Anaheim? No, this isn't about Anthony Rendon not caring about baseball, even though he's getting paid close to $40 million a year. But how about Millville's own Mike Trout? Is Mike Trout going to eventually ask for a trade out of Anaheim? Time ticking. Is the time ticking? No, no, no. That's a fishing reel. Oh, you're fishing reel. I thought it was a time tick. As if, hey, it's only a matter of time because we brought this up a little bit ago that, hey, one day Mike Trout's got to get out of that disastrous, disastrous situation. So we're going fishing is what you're saying. Yeah, it's a trout. Yeah, trout. Yeah, yeah. yeah I got you. Going fishing. That's, that's creative. I went right over my head. I should be way more on my toes. See what happens when I sit down? And does this make you uncomfortable that I'm sitting? Because it makes me very uncomfortable. Or you it, didn't even notice. No, it, it makes no difference. At you all. didn't even notice. Well, you're not short, so I noticed. Yeah. Like, it's not as if you're the same height. Yeah, it's throwing me off. Anyway, on the trade front, this is on the trade front for Mike Trout. He said he's happy being in Anaheim right now, but left open a possibility that he'd be open to a trade down the line. It's inevitable. There's no way that Mike Trout is going to stay with that franchise. They're a joke. 
They aren't just as bad as the Oakland A's. So get him out of there, and it's a perfect time with this window. If, the, if, if your owner wants to get his trophy back, and there's some words in there that I can't say on these airwaves, but if he truly wants it, you got to make that phone call, no? I mean, you got to pick up the phone and see what's up, no? Or are you one of those, Ben, that's a little nervous of the injuries of Mike Trout? Because there are fans out there that say, oh, there's always a back. There's always this. There's always that. It's not worth it because he's banged up and misses a ton of time. You can't pass up on a Mike Trout, right? Um, yeah, no, a lot of that second part's true. There is always an injury. But so, I, so you're scared? I, I'm scared of doing it right now. Yeah, I'm not calling right now to trade for him. Oh, I'd be calling. But, but part of this discussion is that, you know, somehow, by the way, if Trout never asks out of Anaheim, that's kind of pathetic. It's Damian Lillard before he went to Milwaukee level. Or it's not that bad. Or Lillard isn't that bad. Like, they are, he plays for the most dysfunctional crap show in the MLB, and he's totally content with losing. That's crazy. In what world? Like, seriously, in what world is he satisfied out there right now? And now you got to deal with Rendon, and he doesn't feel like playing oh, family. And, and, he, and there's nothing wrong with saying family and faith, or I forget exactly what it was. But he's got a couple things more important to him than baseball. There's no problem with putting your family before your occupation, by no means. But it's just the delivery of, like, I don't really care about baseball. Uh, you got to deal with That's your teammate. That's a big acquisition and a big-time guy who got paid a lot of money to help you out. And what type of culture is there? Man, that is a joke of a place to play. Right, and the team's horrible. Horrible. So, I mean, if, if this is true, and in theory he could ask out, it works perfectly for the Phillies to get him at the deadline. Like, I, I don't want him today. I don't need him in, in March and April and June. Just, I mean, I would be scared that he would get hurt in that time. But if you give me him in early August – and it's just a month and a half of the season, and then the postseason, that's perfect. Like, he'll fit in well. He's better than whatever they'll have in left field. It's more so, like, I, I can't I can't overexpose myself by trading for him today. I mean, you got to pick up the phone and just say what's up. That's all I'm saying. Just a what's up. Oh, well, what's John Middleton calling me for? I have no idea. That's what Anaheim's saying as the phone rings. Oh, he just wants to check in. That's nice. I just got to do a check-in. A check. The reports are here. Isn't this obvious? He's going to be gone. He's going to be on the move. You have to try and maximize that if that's the case. It's one of the best players of all time. Got to get him. Got to at least make the phone call. You got to be active. That's what I'm demanding. Because this is dropping today, I just want to know that what you do is matching what you say. And if you want to get your trophy back, you at least have to put your foot on the gas and do whatever is possible. And if that talent is available, I'm just saying, you got to at least really think about it and for real, tr- try and try and do it. Like, this, this is unbelievable, but you got to try and do it. All right, 215-592-9494 on the trout fishing front. But there's also some real moves that already happened with the Phillies, and we haven't touched on it yet, but they did acquire Whit Merrifield, and it is a nice right-handed bat. How we go from Mike Trout, and now I have to sell you the, the positives of Whit Merrifield is, is comedy. But in reality, you needed a right-handed bat off your bench. You got a right-handed bat off your bench. He is very versatile defensively. He could play multiple different positions. I'm not too worried about his splits, meaning the beginning of the season, he was very, very good, and then he tailed off pretty insanely there towards the end. He played a lot. He's getting up there in age, and he won't play as much here. So maybe if he got fatigued, if he got tired, well, he won't be playing as much to get tired. There's a flip side to that, though. 
if he's a, an all-star caliber player that is accustomed to playing every day, what are the odds that that individual could go to a different role and play every few days and, and not be in the batter's box as much? Is he ready for that? It's hard. It's not easy. It's very difficult to be a bench bat, to be a Garrett Stubbs where you barely see any time playing behind JT Real Muto, and then you need to be in the batter's box in a big clutch spot, or you need to play on Sunday at 1 o'clock when JT gets the day off and you only get three at-bats. It's not easy to generate a lot of noise that way. Is it possible that Whit Merrifield can? And, and I, I think he, he should be able to sort of adapt to that role. I mean, he does put the ball in play, which is different from what a lot of guys do on this team. It, it's strictly home run, walk, strikeout type of vibe for majority of these guys. So to have someone who is willing to do that is, is great. He's able to steal bases. And you lost a big, 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 big vocal leader in Reese Hoskins. And by no means is Whit Merrifield just going to walk in and be able to sort of duplicate exactly what Reese Hoskins did. I mean, he's been here for a long time. He did a lot with the community. He was even the vocal leader when Bryce Harper is here, and, and that means a lot, and that goes a long way. So I'm not saying Whit Merrifield can hold exactly what Reese Hoskins did and just sort of replicated. It's not what I'm saying, but it definitely adds insurance to the clubhouse that I'm excited about. Here's my fear, because I have one fear about the Whit Merrifield experience, and it dates back, actually, to the Joe Girardi tenure, so maybe it's unfair to apply that to Rob Thompson and how he elects to run his show, but I, I did see a time where Didi Gregorius was obviously nowhere close to his prime anymore. He should not be playing, but he was logging so many damn games over at shortstop. He was playing way too much, and it was because he was a veteran. It was because he's been a lot to uh, to to Joe Girardi and what happened with the New York Yankees, and there was such a tie to the veteran player that he was granted something that he didn't necessarily deserve. So will Whit Merrifield play second base more than he deserves, and then that pushes Bryson Stott out of the lineup, especially if it's a lefty starter. I'm sick and tired of Rob not allowing Brandon Marsh and Bryson Stott to go up against lefties. I feel they can crush lefties. I watched Bryson Stott hit a grand slam against a lefty. I want to see them at least get the opportunity to prove themselves. If they fail, they fail fine. But I know that they look at those matchups, they get concerned with Stott and Marsh for whatever reason, and Whit Merrifield might end up playing more than he probably should at second base. Ben, am I going too far with that with that fear of mine? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, I, I hope I, so. I just think these days, and I know we talked about the Thompson bit with Kimbrell, I think people are foolish to question Rob Thompson during the regular season. Like, it's it's true. Whether whether you like Schwarber and leadoff or not, it works. Whether you like guys getting days off at certain times, whatever, what he's done has worked perfectly. So I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt with however he – if he does bench Stott once a week, I'm fine with that. The lefty-lefty thing just irks me. Because he can hit lefties. Well, in the playoffs, he faced lefties. He hit a grand slam. Exactly. So I, my whole point is the regular season is not going to— Okay, so if Whit—I got you. So in the playoffs, if they sit Bryson Stott for Whit Merrifield because of a lefty, you'll be aggravated then. 100%. But game 68 of the regular season, whatever. It's totally different, okay. but I know we're going to have the conversations of, yeah. you know, Thompson pulled the pitcher, should we fire the manager? It's foolish. 
it's the third series of the of the of the season. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's gonna happen though for sure. All right, two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Your reaction to the Whit Merrifield signing? What it means to this team? They had to go with Rojas last year in a huge fourth inning with the bases loaded, two outs, with an opportunity to break the entire game open. And if Whit Merrifield was your option off the bench instead of him, maybe it's a different outcome. And maybe we're going to back to back World Series. And deep down, I thought the Phillies were the best team in baseball last year that fell flat on their face because they went ice cold at the wrong time, but they absolutely could have beat the Rangers. It would have been a fun series. It could have went six, seven games, and it'd be super toxic, a very high emotional roller coaster. It wouldn't be a cakewalk by any means, but the Phillies absolutely could have competed when they were playing their best ball last year with the eventual champions. And maybe if Whit Merrifield was there, that's how significant of a move that could be for your bench. Instead of debating Rojas, Pache, Jake Cave, Stubbs, Whit Merrifield, a guy who could put the ball in play and and can do very well in this league, that that matters. It does matter. All right, let's go to Corey in Columbus. Uh, Corey, you're on WIP. Hey, Corey. What's up, Hunter, man? How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Hey, man, this is my first time ever talking to you, man. I follow you on Instagram and stuff. Hey, man, congrats on your baby girl, man. Oh, thank you so much, and I appreciate all your support. Thank you. Yep. Hey, man, I, I honestly feel like the Phillies should trade for Trout. Like, can you imagine the Phillies getting Mike Trout, you know, like, what is that bump in, like, Brandon Marsh to, like, the nine hole? Like, our lineup will be, like, the deepest in the major league uh, baseball. Like, and then, like, how you talk about with Merriweather or whatever, you know, like, yeah, Mer- coming in. Merrifield, yeah. Yeah. Very feel my bad coming in, like I mean, off the bench, um, and substitutions for Stott. I don't really like that. I, I personally feel like Bryson Stott is underrated on this team. I feel like you can make a debate that he's like the third or fourth best player on this team behind Swarber, Stott, uh, Swarber, Harper, and, and Turner. Like everyday players, like, are you are you factoring pitching as well? I'm just talking about everyday players. Everyday players. Pitching. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just talking about like you know fielders, people that play in the field. Sure. So. Like, I, I, I just personally feel like you should never, you know, take Stott off the field. And then you saw that he can hit against lefties in the playoffs last year. I just feel like this team didn't get much better. Like, I just feel like what we did this offseason was we added some, you know, like tinkered the lineup here and there, added some key depth pieces. But it's like we're just hoping that having Bryce Harper for the entire season, this team gets off to a hot start. Like, I don't, I don't feel like this team really improved much. Like, we lost Reese Hoskins. But we didn't really replace him. And if you like, go out and trade for a guy like uh, Mike Trout, I know he's had injury issues, but, like, you get one of the best players in the history of baseball, and you're not even asking him to be the best player on the team. Like, he will come here, and we don't need him to be the player that he was for the Angels or whatever, you know. Like, that, this is still hard. Yeah, Corey, a lot of interesting stuff that you just said there. I, I don't know if he just got cut off there at the end or if he was waiting for me to respond. I don't know. It was like a weird audio thing. But regardless, a lot of interesting things. Did they improve? Well, they didn't have Reese Hoskins for the entire year, so it's not as if they had him to a certain point and they were the best team in baseball and then they collapsed. Like, that's who they were all year. And See, I have an internal debate with myself 24-7 about sports, about non-sports. But when it comes to the Phillies, it's about this offseason. And the one thing that I keep banging my head against the wall trying to figure out is, was their roster good enough last year? And if you just strictly look at the result, your answer would be no, they're not good enough. They lost. But that doesn't mean their roster is not good enough. There's teams that are good enough to win the Super Bowl that don't win the Super Bowl. There are teams that are good enough to win the World Series that don't win the World Series. 
I believe that last year's roster was good enough to win the World Series. So how much better do I need them to get in this offseason? I need help off the bench. They got that help off the bench. They need help with starting pitching. We'll figure out if Walker could be better just from an organic standpoint. We can figure out what exactly Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola are this year. I mean, you're starting pitching. I, I still think that there's definitely more to be desired. I, I can't kind of uh, downplay that one. I would love to go get Montgomery if that's possible. So I just don't know how much they can get better when you look around the diamond at JT Real Muto, Bryce Harper at first, Bryson Stott, Trey Turner, and Alec Bohm. Yeah, the Mike Trout is obviously the big sexy talk because there's some reports out of Anaheim that he's not ready to ask for a trade yet, but it's almost like they're opening the door and it's inevitable. It's just about when, not if, and that is interesting, but there's not that many opportunities to really make that big, huge splash outside of this Mike Trout thing. The the Phillies roster was good enough to win the World Series last year, so how much better did you need to get? You're always looking to improve. I would like Montgomery. But if they got Montgomery and Whit Merrifield as your offseason, it's a pretty damn good additions to where they were last year, right? I mean, they got Aaronola too. They did get Aaronola. They did. No, and that's not just running it back because there was a possibility of actually losing him. And then you would have ran into this season with maybe it would be Zach Wheeler, Montgomery, Ranger, and Christopher Sanchez and Walker, and I don't think that that's better than having Aaron Nola return. So bringing back Aaron is a huge signing that shouldn't just be looked at as, well, you're running it back and you really didn't add him. No, you added him because there was a possibility that you actually lost him. You didn't. So, no, you did add him back to this roster. All right, let's go to my man Chris and Pensalk, and what's up, Chris? Rhodes. What's up, dude? On on a weekday before before dinner, I love it, brother. Yeah, amen. Love it. Thank you. What's um, up? Love hearing you. Thank uh, you. And, and 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 Ben Ben is one of the most underrated dudes there, man. Oh, he's he, phenomenal. He, he deserve he deserves a regular good shift, and he deserves a bump. So, what, what what's your what what what's your general manager's name? Rod. Yeah, Rod. If Rod's good people. Pay, pay, pay that young man. <laughs> um, as far as the Bills go, but the Eagles, it, it just a uh, quick on the Eagles. I don't care what anybody says. I'm watching that team. I'm 57. Watching that team for 51 years, sitting on my dad's lap, rest his soul. They're they're in trouble this year, man. And and, and we're whistling past the graveyard, and and they're going to see it happen, dude. I don't care. I don't care what kind of new coordinators you get. At the end of the day, when it comes to football, at the end of the day, it's about the Jims and the Joes, not the X's and O's. And and that that defense is putrid. Uh, it so is they, putrid. They got and, a and lot of work to do, Chris. And then they're going to go and sign Jackson, another thirty girls. So stop with the band-aid stuff. Let's go young, just like Kansas City did. Take our take our lumps a little bit, squeeze into the plastic, and start lamping people. But we won't do that because Howie's a quick fix, guys. But anyway, going on to the fills, I love that signing, man. I love that signing, bro. How about this? The holdup was he was going to sign like three weeks ago from one of my customers was telling me that knows him pretty well. And uh, the holdup was he wanted he wanted a second-year option. I love that we gave him, a, uh, we gave him a, a second-year option. So you're telling me if he hits 300 this year and hits 15, uh, 15 home runs and plays infield, outfield, and helps us win the World Series, we get him for $8 million again next year? Yeah, there's a second-year club option. Yeah, yes, that, yeah. That, 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 that's a steal. I love, all I know is we got – we piss and moan in this town, and and I and I'm one of them. We got four. You name any other city with four professional teams that have four GMs slash presidents like ours, and I'll buy you a new car. 
And as far as else, before, besides even re-signing Nola, guess what else you got this year? You got Bryce healthy playing all the games. Yes. You got Stout with another year under his belt, and I don't think they're going to move him off too if they move Merrifield into second. He's going to he's going to give he's going to give Turner some rest, and they're going to put Stout at short with okay. I love it. Hey, I think yeah, has, I like think that. It's a better short, better shortstop. Rojas is I don't know how much he's going to hit in the playoffs, but I I seen that dude the other day. I thought that dude was Jack before. He looks he he looks like Apollo Creed, man. That kid is Jack, and he's one of the best center fielders around. So all all I know is we're looking good. Bring them on, and the, and and let's not get fourteen games behind the Braves. Let's let's let, let's go toe to toe for them like an old school brawl down in Southway. Hey, Broach, you throw a handmaker, I throw a handmaker. And at the end of the day, we're going to see who's standing. And I'll take that team. The only person who scares me is Topper. Wow, he's, he's like my and, and dude, I love him. He's like my grandfather. But God rest his soul. Stubborn as the day is long. I'm like. Grandpa, you can drive home with your feet, but it ain't a good idea. Don't do it. Don't tell me what. To, what don't tell me what to do, Stash. You're a kid. That dude is stubborn, and stubborn gets you stupid, and stubborn and stupid loses in the playoffs, and he scares me. Love you, brother. All right, Chris. Thanks so much, man. Oh wow, a lot of great stuff there from Chris. I, I get it. The stubborn thing is real. So we have two examples of the stubbornness. The one example is him doubling down on Craig Kimbrell and, and saying if he would. Have the opportunity to do it again. Guess what? He's going right back to Craig Kimbrell. But if you want to look for the optimistic view and feel like there's some sort of positivity to all this, he was asked about Rojas, and he said maybe he would have done things differently there. So in one circumstance, going back to Craig Kimbrell. In the other circumstance, he's willing to maybe look in a different direction instead of batting Rojas with essentially the game on the line there. And that's, you know, it, it it's it's nice to know that he is – at least willing. Let's take a listen here of Rob Thompson speaking about Rojas. The right. one that, that I struggle with the most probably is is pinch hitting for Rojas in Game 7, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. And, um, you know, now, uh, you know, going back on it, would I do it again? Yeah, that's maybe one that I might think a little bit harder about. Okay. All right, look, steps in the right direction. Maybe it's baby steps, but it's steps in the right direction. 215 215- 592-9494. That's the phone number to hop on board. Jake, Wade, the rest of the crew, we will get to you on the other side. There's a couple of open lines. So 215-592-9494 if you want to climb in. And look, would you trade for Mike Trout? When would you like to trade for Mike Trout if you are interested? Is this a, hey, we need to pick up the phone now? Is this a deadline thing, an offseason thing? And Bob Nightingale wrote something about the Diamondbacks that I think will piss a lot of you off. I think it pissed me off, and it sure pissed Ben off. So I can't wait for him to express his feelings on this. You are not going to want to miss it. 215-592-9494. I'm Broach filling in for the afternoon show here on 94 WIP. Welcome back, 430 on a President's Day. No Ike, no Jack Fritz. I'm Broach filling in for the afternoon show. They will be back tomorrow. By the way, I just need to tell you, <laughs> 5 o'clock, we are being joined by the one, the only, 
Dan Baker. You're not going to want to miss that, all right? If you don't have your juices flowing yet for Phillies baseball, one, what's wrong with you? And two, Dan Baker will absolutely provide that spark that you're looking for. So make sure you don't turn the dial at all. Now, we are going to check out our Twitter questions. We have a couple now, and that's brought to you by Mark's Jewelers. Looking for wedding bands or bridal party gifts? Shop Mark's Jewelers' extensive collection for the perfect gift online at marks-jewelers.com. Okay, so... Our original Twitter poll was about Rob Thompson and Nick Sirianni. Who do you have more trust in entering 2024? Rob Thompson leading the way at 83%. Hey, 17% for Nick Sirianni. Good for him. Give him a nice little round of applause because that's 17% more than he deserves. So kudos to him. And then our next one that we put out there, Ben Kenny did, would you rather the Phillies make a Mike Trout trade either tomorrow, at the deadline, next offseason. And winning at 67% is tomorrow. That's where I'm at. You can do it. You can do it. Obviously, this is very barroom conversation-like. But when you hear that out in Anaheim for the first time, there's definitely more dialogue occurring between the front office of the Anaheim uh, Angels and Mike Trout. It seems it's going to happen. It's more about when, not if, and to what team. And if that's the case, I just want to be on the prowl. That's why I just want to make sure if it's the same day that John Middleton says, I want to get my blank trophy back, which if you missed, John Clark reported that there was a big team meeting, and apparently the owner said that to his team. If that's the case, then a Mike Trout move's got to be in play, because you have to follow up your words with actions. With actions. So, John Middleton, come on now. Alright, 215-592-9494. I see you all waiting on hold, but I did tease something before we went to break, and I know Ben Kenny's fired up about this, and it is so funny to me. Bob Nightingale put out a piece on, I believe, what is it, USA Today, and <laughs> okay. NL champion Arizona Diamondbacks know they have the target on their back but they'll be even better in 2024. In what world? Ben, you could have the floor, man, by the way, because I saw you rip into this on social first. So I'll give you the floor, let you do your thing. I understand your frustration, but share your opinion, please. I'm not frustrated. It's just one of the stupidest things I've ever read. Like how, how in the world, how in the world do the Diamondbacks look at themselves and say that the target is on their back? Like there, there are bad teams that have gone on to championship rounds and then come back the next year. And nobody's looking at them as the favorite to win the NL. Let alone the NL West! Exactly. The Dodgers make the moves. It's like when the Braves were signing Chris Sale, and the Dodgers were signing Otani and Yamamoto and all these guys. Do you think any part of their brain were like, oh yeah, this move is really what we need to beat the Diamondbacks? No! 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 Because they're not that good. They stink! So the the, the puff piece, I, I find odd. Like they made moves, they're better. Like they're a, they're a fine team. They'll win eighty something games. But to say that the target is on their back in the National League is one of the more unfounded things I've ever seen. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's a joke, honestly. And it's funny because outside of the Dodgers, and it took them, by the way, acquiring Shohei Otani and Yamamoto for it to be this loud of noise. But the outside of the Dodgers, I think the most fear team maybe in all of baseball, I'll say National League for sure, is the Phillies. Maybe people are just afraid of the Astros because of the longevity. They sleepwalk into AL 
um, ALCS series and all. So, sure. But the Phillies are right up there. The Phillies in the National League outside of the Dodgers. And keep in mind, it took Otani and Yamamoto for it to get to this rate. But it goes Dodgers and then Phillies. The Diamondbacks aren't even in the discussion. It was a miracle ride. Whoop-de-damn-do. What it took for you to get to the World Series is not beating the Phillies. It was the Phillies beating themselves. It was them swinging at garbage again. It was them falling into the bad approach, which unfortunately we have seen in previous years. But that was the bigger problem. Stop it. It was the Diamondbacks actually being great crap. I'm not buying that for a damn second. Yeah, the, the Dodgers peed down their legs, too. And and so did the Brewers, who tend to do that every time they get to the postseason. I just, I, I look across. Like, who, who do you think has the target on their back in the NL? In the NL, it's the Phillies. I, I agree. It's but the ev- Phillies. But, but you say that, and everybody responds, oh, yeah, but they lost. But you, you could be the best team and be the alpha in the conference or the division. Who do you think the Braves are focused on this year? The Phillies. Phillies. They, they signed Chris Sale. Phillies. To get Bryce Harper out in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Right, and probably Schwarbs, although it won't happen. He's the greatest leadoff hitter that ever exists. But, but yeah, they're going to try. That's what the move was. And they tried to get Nola to get him away from the Phillies. Yes. And and the Dodgers were a disaster, but they needed to, you know. Uh, Otani's Otani, and they needed pitching. Dodgers are an outlier. They're weird. They're, you know what the Dodgers are. They're consistently going to be in the mix and all, but you kind of have to remove them away from this because they're the Dodgers. They, they just kind of have whatever it is that follows them. That's them. They're the Dodgers. Yeah, Kershaw. Kershaw. In the playoffs. But, yeah, no, the, the target's on the Phillies' back. As it should. As it should be. Teams are afraid. CBP's a different monster. It's a juggernaut. That ballpark is a scary place to play, and teams don't want to deal with it. If you could somehow survive by not seeing the Phillies, you would actually prefer to – if you could, if I could ask teams to see their preferred path to the playoffs, their preferred path in the playoffs to get to the World Series – I bet you that if you're in the National League, you try to avoid the Phillies at all costs, and you probably put the Diamondbacks in there as a team I'd like to see because you're not very good. So come on, Bob Nightingale. Let's let's get a little smoother, please. 215-592-9494. Back to the phones we go. Jake in Philly, you're on 94 WIP. Hey, Jake. Let me get you off speaker. Hey, what's going on? What's up? What's up, Jake? What's up, brother? Are you standing? Uh, I'm standing now. And not only am I standing, I made a nice fresh cup of Joe. <laughs> you ready to go. That's right. Um, I need more caffeine I, I, in my I'm life. I'm all in on the Phillies, man. We did, I, for me, we've been picking people up every year, $300 million here, $100 million. We didn't really need holes. We needed we needed some chemistry. So we got a, we got a Ranger Suarez coming, no visa prompt. We got no uh, baseball classic no none of that everybody's going to be coming good uh, I, i'm ready for the season i feel as though i don't think so i don't think the phillies are the ones with the thing on their back okay I think it's actually the braves the braves been the best team in the nl for a few years straight regular so we, season we fight them. regular season fight them. wise yes but when it comes to the playoffs man the oh, phillies yeah, have playoffs. their number playoffs yeah. <laughs> um but trout fishing i wouldn't go trout fishing until eat a trout um, I think we made enough moves to be fine now until the trade deadline because maybe maybe go somebody goes down with a serious injury you need something other than because Trump's not going to play the field he's got to be another DH right because you're not taking Kasi off the field well you he could no he I mean you could definitely find ways to to have him in the field for sure 
Yeah, but look, is it probable? No, it's not probable that anything is happening anytime soon, but it's just something to note. Look, when Mike Trout, who's from this area, is finally admitting, even if it's just opening the door, that it might not be long-term in Anaheim, my eyebrows are going to raise. And yeah, it, it looks very difficult right now to slot that into this team because they are so stacked and there's not that many opportunities. But when Mike Trout's available, you make opportunities. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. One thing on the Sixers, kind of not really on the Sixers. No, no, no. Hit us. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm ready uh, for the Mr. second half. Mr. Is over there. Next time you uh, coaching an all-star team, how about we get uh, Maxie on the on the court quicker? You didn't like that. I know. I ain't like that. He's like He's 20 years old. Man, why, why we got these people? This, that game was a joke. So it doesn't matter what matters. But get get the young guys on the on the court. Like get. It's not a game. So, it, yeah, it felt Glenn, right, didn't it? Glenn Rivers, get, get the coaching game up. Take it easy, brother. Congrats on the baby. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah, I saw that going around town a little bit. Doc Rivers, I guess, playing the same Doc Rivers card with Tyrese Maxey, not giving him the love that he deserves on All-Star Day. Doc Rivers is a fraud. The the more and more the days go on, he looks so much worse. And 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 I've honestly, I wouldn't put myself as a Doc Rivers supporter by any means. I just don't rip NBA coaching as much as others rip NBA coaching. So it's not a Doc thing. It's not a Brett Brown thing. It's it's not anything about the guys. It's more just about the the label and the job and NBA coaching in general. I put so much more emphasis on Joel Embiid and James Harden. So much more emphasis on LeBron James and Anthony. Davis. So much more emphasis on the the superstars in the NBA. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs. Those are the type of things that I value significantly more than coaching, but the more and more Doc Rivers gets these opportunities, the more and more Doc Rivers speaks. It's like he's vomiting out of his mouth 24-7. I didn't really want the job until the Bucs went through this tough stretch because I didn't want to have to deal with it. Huh? What do, you, what, do you, what do you mean? I, I mean, if I'm a player in the room and I hear that, dude, it's like I, I just want to smack you in the face. All right, let's go to Wade and Chester. I can't see because the glare from the sun. I, I think, Wade, are you on the air? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's um, up, Wade? I want to touch a couple things. Sure. With the, with the coaches, um, I don't trust them either. It's, it's crazy because we, like, we were talking about how we went to the, uh, the World Series and did the Super Bowl and then like back in 1980. I'm, I'm like, damn, bro, we had our high day. I'm scared now. I think that we got the rosters to, to make the uh, plays and stuff, but the coach is not putting us in position to win. We got uh, the World Series, how he messed up with Wheeler taking him out early, then how he messed up in, with uh, to get to the World Series by putting a dude in on game three and four. Um, Nick Sirianni, they, uh, A.J. Brown said that he knew we was going to lose in the Super Bowl once we punted off the ball, so he didn't stay aggressive. They want to know what Nick Sirianni do. He said, we're going to find out this year what he really is. Um, <laughs> it's unreal. Yeah, the Mike Trout situation. Uh, I was somebody that knew him when he was little. He said he was nice in basketball, nice in football. Like, he was a little kid. Like, he always was the best in basketball, always the best in football, like whatever league he was in. He didn't play baseball. They said that they knew he was going to make it by – he was so good at that, but they knew he was going to get a scholarship and go on, whatever. But then they said he tried to – he said, yo – play baseball and then he played when he probably was like 15 or something he played baseball and then he made it in baseball and everybody from the city said they were surprised that he made it in baseball because he never played it he don't like baseball he only played baseball because of the money that's why everything he do is because of the money he don't care about winning and all that he care about what he care about getting the money that's why you see him more with the uh the football games and you even see him uh, wearing the Anaheim jersey or being uh in 
endorse their son. He don't care about baseball. He care about the money. Well, I guess he fits in with Anthony Rendon, if that's true, because his teammate right now is saying the same exact thing. Hey, I look, I'll just do this because it's my occupation. I don't really care about it. It's hard to resonate with. Outside of the money thing, I, I love this. Like, I breathe this. I sleep this. I am obsessed with radio. I, I really do. I have a very big passion for it. I couldn't mm-hmm. imagine stepping into this room and going at, at a 6% rate for, for 10 years of a career. Like, I, I couldn't imagine doing a job, even if it's paying 40 and hating it and going to work every day. It's just a weird one, thing for me. One more thing, and it's funny that you said that. I've been listening to sports radio since, like, 2016, so I used to uh, dibble back and forth to each uh, of, the, of the shows in, in the city. And um, I grew on, and I gravitated to this show, and where the best show at, and I stayed over this station and everything. But when I used to double back to, like, like, when they used to play baseball on here, and I used to go back there and listen a little bit, I heard you on there. It was like 2020, and I never heard you before. I'm like, yo, who this dude on here? I never heard him on here. He sound like he should be on WIP. And then come to find out, you made it to WIP. Listen, you know wait, I, you're I, a listen, smart man. Yo, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I put two and two together. Like, people call me like, yo, bro, what you think about this? I'm, always, I'm like a crazy detective type thing. <laughs> and um, I want to give you a shout, man. I know uh, you doing your thing, man. You came in with the new guy. You held your, uh, you know what I'm saying, your first joint on here, the new guy situation. You, you, you showed you was ten toes down, held your own, you know what I'm saying? And then you going overnight. You feel me? You said your dogs don't know how to adjust to the uh, the shift. But when you on from ten to two, and then Blue Jay come on, that 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 right there, that that line up nice, man. That keep people up. Ain't no going to sleep with you. And then Blue Jay, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So they. Thanks, Wade. I, I mean, that means I'm a lot, man. I mean, I'm listening. That I'm means listening, a lot, yo. Wade. Hey, don't be a stranger. Oh yeah, it'd be late when I be trying to. Uh, you be on. I, that's why I call now to get in. I tried to call before one time, but it was too late. But uh, I, I love tried, it. man. Thanks, man. I'm listening, though. I'm listening. Though. I got you. Appreciate you. Appreciate the love. Thank you so much. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Let's go to Chris in Newtown. Chris, you're a ninety four WIP. Hey, Chris. Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you today, Chris? Good, good. I think you nailed something with Thompson. You know, a big thing this year is: is he going to go with the Guys on the rise, Bohm, Marsh, Stout, or is he going to wait around for Cassianos, Rebuto, and Schwarber to go back to where they were five years ago? They well, five, year, five years ago is a little strong. Nick was good for Nick was good last year until the very, very end. Either way, if you're going to win, you got to give these kids a chance. They got to move up in the lineup. Well, I don't want to move them up. That's where we differ. I want them to be a part of this thing, but I, I okay. So preferably, I would like Kyle Schwarber leading off. I, that probably pisses you off a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they, it works, Chris. It works. You just said they haven't won anything. You just said you want a championship, and you're going to do the same thing again. Dude, they didn't lose the World Series to the Houston Astros because Kyle Schwarber led off. I understand that, but you you think he's going to bet higher than 180 this year? Yes, I will. I I I, I do believe he'll hit higher than 180. Yes. Oh, he'll hit oh, higher than I, 180. Oh, he's what? on the wrong trajectory. No, he's not. He hit how many home runs does he hit in a Phillies uniform? Seven thousand. Yeah, if I could have a beer league, I would love to have him in my beer league. So you don't think Kyle Schwarber is effective? I don't think he's a lead, effective leadoff hitter. No, I do How not. Can, so you don't think he's an effective leadoff hitter, yet they're getting the game six of the World Series, and then they failed miserably, not just because of Schwerber, but they're getting to the NLCS and should have won, and it's not effective? They have only one way to win. Solo homers. No, not solo homers. Homers. That's the only- 
Because it's the only way they can win. No, no, no. Not, not solo not homers. Homers. They win when they hit homers. I agree with that. They don't win just because of solo homers. Bryce Harper hits a lot of homers. Nick hits a lot of homers. Boehm had 20 homers. JT hit some homers. There's homers all around this roster, and that's why it's special. They don't win just because of solo homers. That wouldn't make much sense. That's all they do. You no, watch it's the not game. all they do. 70% of the games. I watch every game. Solo. I watch every yeah, game. It's not. They have solo after solo. They no, it's, need... that's impossible. It's uh, Chris, thanks for the call. It's impossible to only hit solo homers and then go look at what Alec Bohm did. It, it, no, it's not true. It's not only one. Alec Bohm had almost 100 runs batted in last year. There's no way that he was doing that by solo home runs. Like Kyle Schwarber, yes, since he bats first, there are times where he hits leadoff Shots, but that's why you put him there. You put him there because he's a dangerous weapon and he can start the game off with a one nothing lead, and I prefer that. I prefer that. I don't know. To say it's not effective is unfair. To say maybe that you prefer other things, different story. It's, it's not only effective, it's extremely, insanely, very effective. It's not just effective. I want to be very clear. It's incredibly, obnoxiously amazingly effective. That's how effective it is. You're getting the game six of the World Series and losing to a team that's better than you. You you failed, and he was a part of the failure in the, the series to the Diamondbacks as their, their entire offense went down a little bit there during that, um, you know, during that run against the Diamondbacks, which is extremely disappointing, and, and I'm aware of that. There's a lot of blame to go around, but I want to look up what he did in the playoffs because – he was terrific in the uh, World yeah, Series uh, this year. Who are you talking about? Schwarber. Uh, why why you got to do that? In the, in the World Series? It didn't make the oh, World I, Series. Oh, excuse me. The NLCS. Uh, I thought you were making a joke. No, no, no. That was a Freudian slip. Okay. I was like, dude, that's not – I know you're sarcastic and I love your sense of humor, but I was thinking, man, that's actually like a kill shot right now. Yeah, no, that's that's my bad. But he was <laughs> in, in the NLCS, remember, he was one of the Amazing. only people who actually showed up. Yes, yeah, I mean, during the final stretches, though, the whole offense went quiet, and everyone was sort of a part a part of that downfall, right? The blame goes everywhere. But there were times in that NLCS, Kyle Schwarber was the man, the guy. He, he was amazing. So I, I think we're just a little too harsh. This thing will go down in history, in history. Do you want his NLCS stats? Yeah, yes, because I'm trying to do it as I talk. I have it. Okay. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, 8 for 22 with two doubles and five home runs and eight walks. That is good for a batting average of 364, an on base of 533, and an OPS of 1670. Mm. I'd say that's pretty good. Those are good. Yep. I'd say that's pretty good. Yeah, I'm looking at game seven in the NLCS. He had a double. And I'm told he can't run. My man got a double. I'm just saying. Although game six wasn't pretty. Well, he had two walks. Like that the, sounds effective. Like the leadoff guy getting two walks in, in game six is pretty good. And then I'd say getting a double in game seven is pretty solid. You know, just spitballing though off the top of my head. That's all. Let's go to Charlie in Downingtown. You're on 94 WIP. What's up, Charlie? How you doing? Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, I'm just going to follow up real quick with Kyle Schwarber because okay. I had a question. But let this be real quick. Kyle Schwarber, I'm in complete agreement with what you said. He deserves to be a leadoff hitter. And here's why. You're going to look at a batting average of 180 to 200. Look at how many times this man draws a walk. He finds a way to get on base. When I played ball, they always said a walk is as good as a hit. 
So even if you're not, and he just read off these statistics, which shocked me because I didn't even think they were that good. They're excellent. For, he's a good leadoff hitter. Leave it alone. Yes, the, Charlie, uh, you're a smart I man. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with you. And the other thing I had is who's this utility player that the Phillies just signed? Whit Merrifield. <clears throat> now, what kind of a player is he? He's a, he's a very good player. I mean, he's been an all-star a couple different times in his career. I know Ben loves that. Yep, he's telling me to pump the brakes. He hates that. He's, he's, a, he's a solid, solid, um, what, what, super utility man? Is that, a, is that a good way to describe it? Go ahead, he's a, he, he's a ba- like He's a fine baseball player. He's a fine He's a 35-year-old fine, fine super player. utility guy. Okay, that's, you know what? That is actually right. a good description. That's a good description. That may explain why they only signed him to a year I think his contract was just a year. But yeah, that's there's okay. a club we'll option for a second year, so if they like what they see, they can uh, have him for a second. Mm-hmm. That's smart. I'm really looking forward to the season. I'm fired up. I just want to mention one thing, and I hope everybody in Philadelphia is listening to me. These retro uniforms that are coming out, I wish they would go away. <laughs> I do not like them. And the reason is the city of Philadelphia is very historic, and the colors should really, to me, be red, white, and blue. And I don't like the fact that they put Philly on the front of the jersey. I just – I don't know. I don't I like. I don't like them either. Are they confirmed? I don't know if they just. Okay, yeah, Ben shaking his head. No. Re- I don't know if they're confirmed, but I saw what you saw, and I did not like them either, Charlie. Uh-uh, no, I'll tell you what to look at. I was on the, on the internet the other day. I like nostalgic stuff. Go take a look at the 1925 Phillies uniform. My favorite. It's red, white, and blue, and it has like a calligraphy P. It's really sharp. I will, Charlie. Do something. Do something like that. That's cool. I'll check Thank it out. You for your time. Yeah, Thank of you course. Time. Thanks, Trub. <laughs> Everyone remembers the 1925 jerseys, right? Ben, are they hanging up on your wall? How do you? you of course. You think about them every day. 19. What, I don't think the Phillies existed. Weren't they the Athletics? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I gotta say, I I love the maroon. You want to bring rock the maroons? I like the powder blues. You know what jersey I actually like though, and it's uh, it's the the Pittsburgh Pirates yellows, the yellows with the hat with the black and the yellow the 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 the. What's the word I'm looking for here? Stripes. The stripes. That's a good look. It's a clean look. I don't know how we got there. All right. 215-592-9494. Let me lay this out for you because we have one more hour to go together. Right? I take it till 6 o'clock. We have Dan Baker coming up at the top of the hour. So if you want Phillies baseball just ready to run through your bloodstream, you listen to Dan Baker at 5. That's not all, though. At 5.30, we moved along a little top five at five. I don't know where this goes. Ben has the power. He's the one with the keys. Very dangerous, uh, and it's very scary, but he's got the keys to this. We pushed our top five at five back to 5.30 because Dan Baker is going to join us on the other side. So you're not going to want to miss it. I mean, just, just think about his voice calling Bryce Harper's name up to the dish. All right, how about a little Bryson Stott, a little Alec Boehm? I would try to do his voice, but I can't, and I don't want to embarrass myself. So how about we just take a listen to him in in about seven minutes when he comes on. All right, 215-592-9494. Your phone calls as well. Let's not forget about that. I'm Broads, and you're listening to the 94 WIP Afternoon Show. Welcome back, Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Broads. It's 5 o'clock on a President's Day. Thanks for hanging out. We got one more hour. Going in for the 94 WIP afternoon show today. 
the whole crew back tomorrow. All right, we have a fantastic guest on the line with us right now. The one, the only, Mr. Dan Baker. What's going on, Dan? How are you? How are you, Hunter? I'm ready for baseball season. Oh, I am too. You're giving me the goosebumps just saying that. I got to start here. Your overall excitement for the team taking the field again, getting to see them at spring training, whether it's on social media, whatever, just getting to see the guys and the pop of the mitts. What's your excitement level like? Very, very high. And, uh, you know, uh, having been around quite a long time, you, you pretty much know uh, if your team has a legitimate shot, Hunter, uh, at winning. And and this team certainly does. I've announced some that didn't, and I've announced many who did, and this is one of the ones that, that could do it. Oh, absolutely. I feel the same exact way. And and to that, you know, they bring back Aaron Nola this offseason. If you were to lose that arm, it would be so massive. So in your eyes, how important was Aaron Nola returning to this rotation? How important was that for this run? Huge. Huge. Um, he, uh, he gives you a lot of innings. And, uh, you know, you need some innings eaters in that starting rotation. You absolutely do. Now, Dan, I got to ask you, we debate this all day long on these airwaves. Kyle Schwarber leading off, right? Just speak to me as a fan here for a little bit. Do you like the idea of the big bopper up top? Would you prefer a Trey Turner or a Stott? What would you do if you were Rob Thompson with the leadoff position? You know, I don't think it's as easy a decision as you might think. Uh, I've heard some of the debate. Uh, with Howard Eskin, you know, uh, giving Rob his uh, suggested lineup with Brian Stott in that one hole, Trey Turner's second. And uh, as you know, Rob Thompson's argument for keeping Kyle Schwarber is in the uh, leadoff position is the Phillies' one-loss record with him there. Um, And for some reason, uh, when he's not batted, Leadoff. Uh, they haven't been as productive from a one-loss standpoint. Uh, I think they could be, uh, but I, I don't think it's uh, set uh, which way they're going to go with that. If anything, I would tend to think that Rob is leaning toward Kyle's leadoff because of past success. Yeah, and I like that idea. I'm a big believer of him up there. and it, It's odd. It's different. It's unique. But, hey, it works, and they're consistently making playoff runs because of it. But um, let, let's talk about Reese Hoskins for one second. Unfortunately, wasn't able to stay here in Philadelphia. A big bat, and he's awesome for outside of baseball as well with the community. But how much of a loss do you think Reese Hoskins is on the field? Well, on the field, you know, I, listen, I'm a big Reese Hoskins fan. And, uh, you know, the guy took a lot of pitches. He got on base, uh, had a good on-base percentage, uh, very productive in terms of home runs and RBIs. Uh, and as you pointed out, a great guy in the clubhouse. Um, but uh, defensively, uh, Reese was a little bit of a liability. And so they're they're going to be stronger at first base uh, with uh, Bryce Harper there for a full season. 
And, but we're going to miss him. You know, he helped bring the energy and, you know, um, he did, he had some postseason success and uh, cheered for everybody else. He's a good, he's a good guy. He absolutely is. And we're talking to the great Dan Baker. And you just mentioned the word postseason. And I just automatically went to the crazy, intense fans. And you're there. You get to experience it. You get to see it all play out right in front of your eyes. What's it like for you to be able to just have what we've had over the last two years? That atmosphere is the best in sports. And I'm jealous that you get to experience the way you do. What's it like for you, Dan? Oh, my gosh. It's so enjoyable, Hunter. Uh, my goodness, um, and w- when the Phillies are winning, uh, I mean, uh, even even in a down year, it is the best place to be on a summer night. Phillies baseball, but when they're winning, oh my goodness, um, you know, when Scott Rowland was traded, and I'm a big Scott Rowland fan too like Reese Hoskins, another number 17. Uh, Scott referred to St. Louis as baseball heaven. Well, to me, baseball heaven is Citizens Bank Park. And before that, Veterans Stadium. And before that, Connie Mack Stadium. I mean, I just love going to Phillies games as a kid, having the great privilege to do the PA announcing for uh, coming up on my 52nd year. Wow. And uh, the uh, it's just great being there. The, the atmosphere that you talked about, uh, the fans are so excited. They're so positive. They're on their feet. Many stood for those the entire postseason games. And uh, it looked like, uh, uh, you know, in the Phillies, 141-year history, Hunter, uh, we have been to eight World Series. Um, I've had the privilege to announce six of them. 1980, 1983, 1993, 2008, 2009, and 2022. And I think we've got another chance this year. Um, the Dodgers are going to be really tough uh, with that group they've assembled. And the Braves, again, are going to be very, very good. Yeah, they always are good, and they're always in the mix, which is why it makes this season interesting for me, Dan. And the the one thing I always want to do before a season begins is set out goals, and goal number one is to win the division, right? But because the last few years went the way they did, which is beat the Braves in the playoffs no matter if they're a wild card team or not, I don't know what to do with that information. It's weird to head in going, well, I don't know if I need them to win the division because they're better than the Braves when when it's the most important time of the year anyway. So it's just a weird way to enter the season, don't you think? Uh, The Phillies got off to slow starts each of the last two years. And, of course, the slow start two years ago cost Joe Girardi his job as manager. But what a fantastic job Rob Thompson has done as Phillies manager. And I I know they're working hard towards a good start for 2024. I, I'd like to see them get off to a good start 
and overtake the Braves. It won't be easy, but I think it can be done. I think it's I think it's going to be a, a a pretty good race between the Phillies and the Braves. The Braves are a good team, uh, not for a moment, but I minimize uh, what they've done and how well they've done it. But the Phillies have beaten them uh, the last two postseasons, and I think they, it, you know, maybe we've had. There have been teams, Hunter, that have had the Phillies number. Maybe the Phillies have the Braves number. It does feel that way. Dan, I have one more for you, and they did make a new acquisition. They bring in Whit Merrifield, who would be fantastic from a veteran leadership standpoint, been around the game, very versatile. Your thoughts on the addition of Whit Merrifield and what that means to this club? Great addition. As you know, uh, it looked so promising last year in the NLCS against Arizona. Uh, Coming back to Citizens Bank Park, only having to win one of two to advance to the World Series. But I think the guys pressed. It wasn't from a lack of effort. In fact, uh, it might have been too much effort. A lot of swings and misses, chasing balls out of the strike zone, and some of the plate discipline that the Phillies showed when they were playing their best baseball uh, was absent uh, those last two home games. Uh, I never dreamed that we would lose both of them. However, you know, teams go through slumps and uh, have their ups and downs. And um, with Merrifield, uh, is a guy who has plate discipline. He has a low strikeout rate. He puts the ball in play. And if we could have done that a little bit more in one of those last two games, uh, we would have advanced to the World Series. Um, so I think he's a good addition. Uh, he's a three-time All-Star he led the American League in stolen bases um, three times. Um, gets a lot of hits. Uh, I think he had over 200 hits one year, and uh, very versatile. You know, second base uh, can play other infield positions and uh, every outfield position. So uh, I think he's going to be a, a good fill-in which, uh, you know, he's been accustomed to starting. Uh, But it's great to bring someone like him off the bench or to have him fill in when uh, Rob wants to give somebody else a break. Uh, Hunter, I think Whit Merrifield uh, is going to be a a great addition to the 2024 Phillies. I agree, Dan. Listen, it was a phenomenal 12-minute experience talking to you right now, thinking about this baseball team. Just hearing your voice brings us down to Citizens Bank Park. I'm sure everybody listening agrees. I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your day to speak with us, and we're excited to hear your voice again. Now batting for the Phillies, second baseman, Hunter Brody. Wow, that's incredible. Thank you so much, Dan. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Hunter. Have a good one. Wow, Dan Baker. I got goosebumps. You can't second base. See me over at Sam. I taking Bryson Stott's uh, role here. How about that? Wow.
phenomenal. You hear his voice, and you just hear Philly's baseball. I'm a little giddy right now. I mean, I, I've spoken to Dan Baker many times, but it just hits the same every single time. It's, it's Dan Baker. Dan Baker. 215-592-9494. Now banning for the Phillies, second baseman Hunter Dude, I need to make that my alarm clock instead of the annoying iPhone. Eh, eh, eh. We might do that. Or maybe the ringtone. What do you think? I mean, your your name objectively isn't one of like the best. What do you mean? It's, I mean, it's no JT. Like it's it's not bad. What if he went Bros instead of the full name? Or do you like the full name concept? I, I like the full name. But it, either way, it's no Whit Merrifield. No, it's that's not. Gu- that's going to roll. That's got, yes. I mean, it's no Bryce Harper, unfortunately. Right. Unfortunately. Castellanos. You know. There's a little, there's more enunciation in some of them. True. And a uh, funny thing about my name is, back in the day, when I was grinding in this business, I still am, and I'm okay with that, but when I was grinding, grinding, I used to put together these reels, right? And I would send them to people in the industry. And one of those people was John Marks. And do you know what his response to the email was? I told him this, too, actually. We were cracking up. His response was, Hunter Brody, huh? It seems like a nice name for the, um, how should I say this, um, the, the, the adult industry. That was his response to the email of my, of my uh, content, you know? I'm like, and it was, it was radio content, to be clear. And I'm sending him audio, and it's like, yeah, you know, I sent it to a bunch of different people, just like anybody else would, trying to get their foot in the door. And he goes, oh, Hunter Brody, huh? That sounds like a great name for an adult industry. He used a different word, but yeah, I'm like, all right, thanks, Johnny Marks. We crack up now, though. It's pretty funny. All right, 215-592-9494. Also, let's not forget about our happy hour here. Guida Happy Hour, sponsored by Guida Door and Window. Take advantage of Guida Door and Window's big winter sale through February. Receive 40% off all windows and doors. Call 1-877-GO-GUIDA or visit goguida.com. All right, let's go to the phones. Let's go to Sean in Pine Hill. Wants to talk a little, Phyllis. What's up, Sean? You're on WIP. What's up, Bert? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you, Sean? Good. A um, couple Phillies points. Uh, I think an under player that's on the radar is Rojas bats 240. 240. That doesn't sound good. I think this team rolls because the Phillies have been complaining they don't have a center fielder. Well, they have a defensive center fielder. I think that is going to improve every year. But hitting – if he bats 240, I think we roll. Oh, dude, 240, I'd sign up for in a second, especially in today's era. We have Kyle Schwarber, our leadoff guy, hitting 196, and I'm, I'm here throwing parades for him. So I know it would be different and all, but 240 in today's era batting average, yeah, I, I would take that out of Rojas any day of the week. Your nine-hole hitter, no doubt. All right, I got two more points. Uh, Wheeler, do you think they offer, like this is my extension, I would offer 3105. Three one oh five. So what does that put him at? Like thirty thirty five a year. Thirty five a year. Uh, yeah, I think he'd be interested in that. Yes, I think that would tickle okay. his fancy. And I think they need to do that. Just get it. I think he wants a player. If you throw that at him, I think he's here. And um, the other question too is, I want to see uh in spring training, uh, Mercado, the pitcher they got in a trade from Tampa Bay. He yeah. pitched in AAA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm aware. Yeah, yeah so you're interested any, any, in him. Yeah, any pitcher that comes from 
that team. I know. That I know. They, they didn't have they didn't have room for. You know what though, Sean? You know it's, it's funny because when Jose Alvarado came here, it's always well. Why did Tampa let him go? Whenever someone gets let go from Tampa, or just in general, your 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 sort of um, your radar goes off. Like, huh? What do they know that we don't know? You know what I mean? Yeah, but the thing is, they said they didn't have room for him. Yeah. So if you take a picture from that team that just produces from the farm, I mean, that's a guy that I'm going to keep an eye on at spring training. I love so, it. Thanks, Sean. I really right, appreciate buddy. it. All right, see you, man. All right, have a good one. All right, so how about that? 215-592-9494. We do have some audio from Whit Merrifield, who did speak today about why he came to the Philly. So let's take a listen right now. I've been a three-time All-Star. I've led the league in hits a couple of times. I've led the league in solo bases. I've led the league in all these different things that I feel like I've proven that I'm here and I can play. Um, I was an All-Star last year. I've done that. I want to win now. And so I'm here to do whatever I need to do to win and to help this team win, whether it's sit on the bench and be the cheerleader for 162 games. I don't think that's why they brought me here, but you know, if that's what they want me to do, um, I just I just want to win. Sounds like a pro's pro to me. Sounds like a guy who knows what his role is, and I just hope that they allow for him to just be that role. Let's try and not get too much out of him. My biggest fear is because he's so used to and accustomed to playing so much that they want to filter him in so much throughout the regular season that it comes to a, to a disappointment with somebody else, meaning he's taking time from Bryson Stott against lefties. I want to see Bryson Stott continue to grow. I really do. And Alex Coffey, who does an amazing job for the Inquirer, she's put together some really awesome pieces as of late. And one of them was in regards to Bryson Stott. And they were speaking with Kevin Long and trying to figure out exactly what to do with him next year, just to be more aggressive, be more selective when aggressive as well. And this is part of her piece on the Inquirer. The key will be finding the time and place to use his aggression. In hitting coaches Kevin Long's opinion, an OO count is that time. Stott swung at the first pitch only 99 times out of 585 at-bats. But when he did, he was rewarded hitting 384 when he swung at an 0-0 pitch versus 259 when he didn't, which is crazy. And that grand slam in the playoffs also came on an 0-0 count. So not just was it lefty-lefty, but it was lefty-lefty and an 0-0 count, which is Pretty remarkable just from the sense of, you know, you're trying to work on certain areas and Bryson Stott delivers on those certain areas during the big game. But I'm always looking at the other side. And what he does so well is he works at bats and he works 10 pitch at bats. He fouls a ton of pitches off and he'll make someone's pitch count rise from 30 to 42 because of how much he grinds you down. And if he's first pitch swinging, I feel some at-bats, he's, he's, this is a learning curve, right? It's a process. So there's going to be some time to uh, sort of have to a- adapt. And he might lose some good at-bats because he's trying to apply this part of his game to his craft. And, you know, if it's better for the long run, then you live with the the experience. But is it going to hurt him if they try and apply this very aggressive OO count thing to his game? Just something I'm monitoring, that's all. Let's go to James in Southwest Philly. Hey, James, you're on WIP. How you doing? I just want to say I'm I'm in favor of Nick Sirianni because he ain't do nothing but win since he's been here. And even though he had bad six weeks of the season, you can't disqualify that the man been winning since he got here, right? And Hunter, I want to say this is how I would fix the All Star game, right? Okay. I would take, you know how every 
NBA team has a G League affiliate? Yes. I would take one playoff for every G League team and make an all-star team to go against the NBA all-stars because a lot of them G League players got two-way contracts. So you want a G League all-star team play the NBA all-star team? Is that correct? Yeah, because look how Matt McGlung won a slam dunk contest two years in a row and ain't get called up yet. He got called up once by the Sixers and once by the Magic, but he ain't played an NBA game yet. How do you think the NBA players would feel going up against them, though? They would, they would play. It would make them play harder because they know that the G League want to beat their big brothers, so they know they to make them play a little bit harder. Okay, might- and let me play the other side though. From the fan level, right? I'm just talking through this with you. I, you know, I don't know how to fix it, but will fans be excited to tune in on a Sunday night at eight o'clock to watch Mac McClung play LeBron? I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm asking. No, I don't they, know. they might not. They might not. You might not get a whole bunch of fan viewership, but they might want to see what some of these, if some of these G League players can hold their own against the NBA guys, because some G League players do have two way contracts. Yeah, I mean, look, I just I'm picturing of the spectacle, right? Like Jay Z, Beyonce, people go to these events, they sit courtside, they dap everybody up. I find it hard to believe that Jay Z is going to be walking in there all fresh as hell to go watch Mac McClung uh, 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 play play basketball. But maybe I'm wrong. No, you no you you could be right, but what I'm saying is like. 211 points, man. They ain't playing no defense. Like they, they out of pocket for You're that. right, James. Listen, before before I hang up, let me say a couple things before I hang up. Right? Okay. And I want to give you a trivia question if you can answer it. Ooh. Right? Um, there's two Eagles. There's two Eagles passing. No. You drop off? I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Hmm. I wanted the trivia question. That was interesting. Two Eagles pass rush. How do I answer that? Flet- uh, I was going to say Fletcher Cox, but no. Uh, Hassan Reddick and Brandon Graham. I hope that's the answer. Damn. All right. Uh, we will have the top five at five on the other side, so that's going to be pleasant. I can't wait to hear from you, Ben. This is going to be electric. And and your phone calls at 215-592-9494. As we roll along with our final segment of today's phenomenal program, I'm Broads. This is 94 WIP. Welcome back, Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Broads. It's 5 o'clock on a President's Day. Thanks for hanging out. We got one more hour going in for the 94 WIP afternoon show today. The whole crew back tomorrow. All right, we have a fantastic guest on the line with us right now. The one, the only, Mr. Dan Baker. What's going on, Dan? How are you? How are you, Hunter? I'm ready for baseball season. Oh, I am too. You're giving me the goosebumps just saying that. I got to start here. Your overall excitement for the team taking the field again, getting to see them at spring training, whether it's on social media, whatever, just getting to see the guys and the pop of the mitts. What's your excitement level like? Very, very high. And, uh, you know, uh, having been around quite a long time, you, you pretty much know uh, if your team has a legitimate shot, Hunter, uh, at winning. And and this team certainly does. I've announced some that didn't, and I've announced many who did, and this is one of the ones that, that could do it. 
Oh, absolutely. I feel the same exact way. And and to that, you know, they bring back Aaron Nola this offseason. If you were to lose that arm, it would be so massive. So in your eyes, how important was Aaron Nola returning to this rotation? How important was that for this run? Huge. Huge. Um, he uh, he gives you a lot of innings. And, uh, you know, you need some innings eaters in that starting rotation. You absolutely do. Now, Dan, I got to ask you, we debate this all day long on these airwaves. Kyle Schwarber leading off, right? Just speak to me as a fan here for a little bit. Do you like the idea of the big bopper up top? Would you prefer a Trey Turner or a Stott? What would you do if you were Rob Thompson with the leadoff position? You know, I don't think it's as easy a decision as you might think. Uh, I've heard some of the debate. Uh, with Howard Eskin, you know, uh, giving Rob his uh, suggested lineup with Brian Stott in that one hole, Trey Turner's second. And uh, as you know, Rob Thompson's argument for keeping Kyle Schwarber in the uh, leadoff position is the Phillies' one-loss record with him there. Um, And for some reason, uh, when he's not batted, leadoff. Uh, they haven't been as productive from a one-loss standpoint. Uh, I think they could be, uh, but I, I don't think it's uh, set uh, which way they're going to go with that. If anything, I would tend to think that Rob is leaning toward Kyle's leadoff because of past success. Yeah, and I like that idea. I'm a big believer of him up there. And it, it's odd, it's different, it's unique. But, hey, it works, and they're consistently making playoff runs because of it. But um, let, let's talk about Reese Hoskins for one second. Unfortunately, wasn't able to stay here in Philadelphia. A big bat, and he's awesome for outside of baseball as well with the community. But how much of a loss do you think Reese Hoskins is on the field? Well, on the field... You know, I, listen, I'm a big Reese Hoskins fan. And, uh, you know, the guy took a lot of pitches. He got on base, uh, had a good on-base percentage, uh, very productive in terms of home runs and RBIs. Uh, and as you pointed out, a great guy in the clubhouse. Um, but uh, defensively, uh, Reese was a little bit of a liability. And so they're they're going to be stronger at first base uh, with uh, Bryce Harper there for a full season. And but we're going to miss him. You know, he helped bring the energy, and you know, um, he did. He had some postseason success and uh, cheered for everybody else. He's a good. He's a good guy. He absolutely is, and we're talking to the great Dan Baker, and you just mentioned the word postseason, and I just automatically went to the crazy, intense fans, and you're there. You get to experience it. You get to see it all play out right in front of your eyes. What's it like for you to be able to just have what we've had over the last two years? That atmosphere is the best in sports, and I'm jealous that you get to experience the way you do. What's it like for you, Dan? Oh, my gosh. It's so enjoyable, Hunter. Uh, my goodness, um, and w- when the Phillies are winning, uh, I mean, uh, even even in a down year, it is the best 
place to be on a summer night. Phillies baseball. But when they're winning, oh, my goodness. Um, you know, when Scott Rowland was traded, and I'm a big Scott Rowland fan, too, like Reese Hoskins, another number 17, uh, Scott referred to St. Louis as baseball heaven. Well, to me, baseball heaven is Citizens Bank Park. And before that, Veterans Stadium. And before that, Connie Mack Stadium. I mean, I just love going to Phillies games as a kid, having the great privilege to do the PA announcing for uh, coming up on my 52nd year. Wow. And uh, the uh, it's just great being there. The, the atmosphere that you talked about. Uh, the fans are so excited. They're so positive. They're on their feet. Many stood for those the entire postseason games. And uh, it looked like, uh, uh, you know, in the Phillies, 141-year history, Hunter, uh, we have been to eight World Series. Um, I've had the privilege to announce six of them. 1980, 1983, 1993, 2008, 2009, and 2022. And I think we've got another chance this year. Um, the Dodgers are going to be really tough uh, with that group they've assembled. And the Braves, again, are going to be very, very good. Yeah, they always are good, and they're always in the mix, which is why it makes this season interesting for me, Dan. And the, the one thing I always want to do before a season begins is set out goals, and goal number one is to win the division, right? But because the last few years went the way they did, which is beat the Braves in the playoffs no matter if they're a wild card team or not, right. I don't know what to do with that information. It's weird to head in going, well, I don't know if I need them to win the division because they're better than the Braves when, the, when it's the most important time of the year anyway. So it's just a weird way to enter the season, don't you think? Uh, the Phillies got off to slow starts each of the last two years. Yes. And, of course, the slow start two years ago cost Joe Girardi his job as manager. But what a fantastic job Rob Thompson has done as Phillies manager. And I, I know they're working hard towards a good start. For 2024, I'd like to see them get off to a good start and overtake the Braves. It won't be easy, but I think it can be done. I think it's—I think it's going to be a, a a pretty good race between the Phillies and the Braves. The Braves are a good team. Uh, not for a moment would I minimize uh, what they've done and how well they've done it. But the Phillies have beaten them. Uh, the last two postseasons, and I think they, it, you know, maybe we've had there have been teams Hunter that have had the Phillies number. Maybe the Phillies have the Braves number. It does feel that way, Dan. I have one more for you, and they did make a new acquisition. They bring in Whit Merrifield, who would be fantastic from a veteran leadership standpoint. Been around the game, very versatile. Your thoughts on the addition of Whit Merrifield and what that means to this club? Great addition. As you know, uh, it looked 
so promising last year in the NLCS against Arizona, uh, coming back to Citizens Bank Park, only having to win one of two to advance to the World Series. But I think the guys pressed. It wasn't from a lack of effort. In fact, uh, it might have been too much effort. A lot of swings and misses, chasing balls out of the strike zone, and some of the plate discipline that the Phillies showed when they were playing their best baseball uh, was absent uh, those last two home games. Uh, I never dreamed that we would lose both of them. However, you know, teams go through slumps and uh, have their up and downs and um, with Merrifield uh, is a guy who has plate discipline. He has a low strikeout rate. He puts the ball in play. And if we could have done that a little bit more in one of those last two games, uh, we would have advanced to the World Series. Um, so I think he's a good addition. Uh, He's a three-time All-Star. He led the American League in stolen bases um, three times. Um, Gets a lot of hits. Uh, I think he had over 200 hits one year. And uh, very versatile. You know, second base. uh, Can play other infield positions. And uh, every outfield position. So uh, I think he's going to be a, a good fill-in, which, uh, you know, he's been accustomed to starting. Uh, but it's great to bring someone like him off the bench or to have him fill in when uh, Rob wants to give somebody else a break. Uh, Hunter, I think Whit Murrayfield uh, is going to be a, a, a great addition to the 2024 Phillies. I agree, Dan. Listen, it was a phenomenal 12-minute experience talking to you right now, thinking about this baseball team. Just hearing your voice brings us down to Citizens Bank Park. I'm sure everybody listening agrees. I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your day to speak with us, and we're excited to hear your voice again. Now batting for the Phillies, second baseman, Hunter Brody. Wow, that's incredible. Thank you so much, Dan. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Hunter. Have a good one. Wow, Dan Baker. I got goosebumps. You can't second base. See me over at Sam. I taking Bryson Stott's uh, role here. How about that? Wow, phenomenal. You hear his voice and you just hear Phillies baseball. I'm a little giddy right now. I mean, I, I've spoken to Dan Baker many times, but it just hits the same every single time. It's, it's Dan Baker. Dan Baker. Two one five. 592 Now batting for the Phillies, second baseman, Hunter Brody. Dude, I need to make that my alarm clock instead of the annoying iPhone. Eh, eh, eh. We might do that. Or maybe the ringtone. What do you think? I mean, your, your name objectively isn't one of, like, the best. What do you mean? I, I mean, it's no JT. Like, it's, it's not bad. What if he went Brody instead of the full name? Or do you like the full name concept? I, I like the full name. But it, either way, it's no Whit Merrifield. No, it's that's not. Ga- that's going to roll. That's got, yes. I mean, it's no Bryce Harper, unfortunately. Right. Unfortunately. Castellanos. 
you know, there's a little, there's more enunciation in some of them. True. And, and uh, funny thing about my name is back in the day when I was grinding in this business, I still am, and I'm okay with that. But when I was grinding, grinding, I used to put together these reels, right? And I would send them to people in the industry. And one of those people was John Marks. And do you know what his response to the email was? I told him this too, actually. We were cracking up. His response was, Hunter Brody, huh? It seems like a nice name for the, um, how should I say this? Um, the, the, the adult industry. That was his response to the email of my, of my uh, content. You know, I'm like, and it was, it was radio content to be clear. And I'm sending him audio and it's like, Hey, you know, I sent it to a bunch of different people, just like anybody else would trying to get their foot in the door. And he goes, Oh, Hunter Brody, huh? That sounds like a great name for an adult industry he used a different word. But yeah, I'm like, all right, thanks Johnny Marks. We crack up now though. It's pretty funny. All right. 215-592-9494. Also, let's not forget about our happy hour here. Guide a happy hour sponsored by guide a door and window. Take advantage of guide door and windows big winter sale through february receive 40 percent off all windows and doors call 1-877-GO-GUIDA or visit go guida.com all right let's go to the phones let's go to sean in pine hill wants to talk a little phyllis what's up sean you're on wip what's up Bert? how you doing man i'm doing good how are you sean good um a couple phillies points uh i think an under player that's on the radar is rojas bats 240 240, that doesn't sound good. I think this team rolls because the Phillies have been complaining they don't have a center fielder. Well, they have a defensive center fielder, I think, that is going to improve every year. But hitting, if he bats 240, I think we roll. Oh, dude, 240, I'd sign up for in a second, especially in today's era. We have Kyle Schwarber, our leadoff guy, hitting 196, and I'm, I'm here throwing parades for him. So I know it would be different and all, but 240 in today's era batting average, yeah, I, I would take that out of Rojas any day of the week. Your nine-hole hitter, no doubt. All right, I got two more points. Uh, Wheeler, do you think they offer, like this is my extension, I would offer 3105. 3105. So what does that put him at? Like 30, 35 five, a year. 35 like a year. Uh, yeah, I think he'd be interested in that. Yes, I think that would tickle okay. his fancy. And I think they need to do that. Just get it. I think he wants a player. If you throw that at him, I think he's here. And um, the other question, too, is I want to see uh, in spring training, uh, Mercado, the pitcher they got in a trade from Tampa Bay. He pitched in AAA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm aware. Yeah, yeah so you're any, interested any, in him. Yeah, any pitcher that comes from that team. I know. I know. They, they didn't have they didn't have room for. You know what though, Sean? We you know it's, it's funny because when Jose Alvarado came here, it's always, well, why did Tampa let him go? Whenever someone gets let go from Tampa or just in general, your 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 sort of um your radar goes off like, "Huh, what do they know that we don't know?" You know what I mean? Yeah, but the thing is, they said they didn't have room for him. Yeah. So, if you take a pitcher from that team that just produces from the farm, I mean, that's a guy that I'm going to keep an eye on at spring training. I love so, it. Thanks, Sean. I really right, appreciate buddy. it. All right. See you, man. All right. Have a good one. All right. So, how about that? 215-592-9494. We do have some audio from Whit Merrifield, who did speak today about why he came to the Philly. So, let's take a listen right now. I've been a three-time All-Star. I've led the league in hits a couple of times. I've led the league in solo bases. I've led the league in all these different things that I feel like I've proven that I'm here and I can play. Um, I was an all-star last year. 
I've done that. I want to win now. And so I'm here to do whatever I need to do to win and to help this team win, whether it's sit on the bench and be the cheerleader for 162 games. I don't think that's why they brought me here, but, you know, if that's what they want me to do, um, I just I just want to win. Sounds like a pro's pro to me. Sounds like a guy who knows what his role is, and I just hope that they allow for him to just be that role. Let's try and not get too much out of him. My biggest fear is because he's so used to and accustomed to playing so much that they want to filter him in so much throughout the regular season that it comes to a, to a disappointment with somebody else, meaning he's taking time from Bryson Stott against lefties. I want to see Bryson Stott continue to grow. I really do. And Alex Coffey, who does an amazing job for the Inquirer, she's put together some really awesome pieces as of late. And one of them was in regards to Bryson Stott. And they were speaking with Kevin Long and trying to figure out exactly what to do with him next year, just to be more aggressive, be more selective when aggressive as well. And this is part of her piece on the Inquirer. The key will be finding the time and place to use his aggression. In hitting coaches Kevin Long's opinion, an OO count is that time. Stott swung at the first pitch only 99 times out of 585 at-bats. But when he did, he was rewarded hitting 384 when he swung at an 0-0 pitch versus 259 when he didn't, which is crazy. And that grand slam in the playoffs also came on an 0-0 count. So not just was it lefty-lefty, but it was lefty-lefty and an 0-0 count, which is pretty remarkable just from the sense of, you know, you're trying to work on certain areas and Bryson Stott delivers on those certain areas during the big game. But I'm always looking at the other side. And what he does so well is he works at-bats and he works 10 pitch at-bats. He fouls a ton of pitches off and he'll make someone's pitch count rise from 30 to 42 because of how much he grinds you down. And if he's first pitch swinging, I feel some at-bats, he's, he's, this is a learning curve, right? It's a process. So there's going to be some time to uh, sort of have to uh, adapt, and he might lose some good at-bats because he's trying to apply this part of his game to his craft. And, you know, if it's better for the long run, then you live with the the experience, but is it going to hurt him if they try and apply this very aggressive OO count thing to his game? Just something I'm monitoring, that's all. Let's go to James in Southwest Philly. Hey, James, you're on WIP. How you doing? I just want to say I am fa- I'm in favor of Nick Sirianni because he ain't do nothing but win since he's been here. And even though he had bad six weeks of the season, you can't disqualify that the man been winning since he got here, right? And, Hunter, I want to say this is how I would fix the All-Star game, right? Okay. I would take – you know how every – NBA team has a G League affiliate? Yes. I would take one playoff for every G League team and make an all-star team to go against the NBA all-stars because a lot of them G League players got two-way contracts. So you want a G League all-star team play the NBA all-star team? Is that correct? Yeah, because look how Matt McGlung won a slam dunk contest two years in a row and ain't get called up yet. He got called up once by the Sixers and once by the Magic, but he ain't played an NBA game yet. How do you think the NBA players would feel going up against them, though? They would, they would play. It would make them play harder because they know that uh, GB want to beat their big brothers, so they know that'll make them play a little bit harder. Okay, and, might... and let me play the other side though. From the fan level, right? I'm just talking through this with you. I, you know, I don't know how to fix it, but will fans be excited to tune in on a Sunday night at eight o'clock to watch Mac McClung play LeBron? I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm asking. No, I don't they, know. they might not. They might not. You might not get a whole bunch of fan viewership, but 
they might want to see what some of these if some of these G League players can hold their own against the NBA guys because some G League players do have two way contracts. Yeah, I mean, look, I just I'm picturing of the spectacle, right? Like Jay Z, Beyonce. People go to these events, they sit courtside, they dap everybody up. I find it hard to believe that Jay Z is going to be walking in there all fresh as hell to go watch Mac McClung uh, 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 play play basketball. But maybe I'm wrong. No, you no you you could be right, but what I'm saying is like. 211 points, man. They ain't playing the defense. They, they out of pocket for You're that. right, James. Listen, before before I hang up, let me say a couple things before I hang up. Right? Okay. And I want to give you a trivia question if you can answer it. Ooh. Right? Um, there's two Eagles. There's two Eagles passing. No. Did you drop off? I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Hmm. I wanted the trivia question. That was interesting. Two Eagles pass rush. How do I answer that? Flet- uh, uh, I was going to say Fletcher Cox, but no. Uh, Hassan Reddick and Brandon Grant. I hope that's the answer. Damn. All right. Uh, we will have the top five at five on the other side, so that's going to be pleasant. I can't wait to hear from you, Ben. This is going to be electric. And and your phone calls at 215-592-9494. As we roll along with our final segment of today's phenomenal program, I'm Broads. This is 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. This is the afternoon show. I'm Broads. It's our final segment. Today flew by. It's so much fun. But it's not over yet. All right, we're going to check in on our Twitter polls, which is brought to you by Mark's Jewelers. Looking for wedding bands or bridal party gifts? Shop Mark's Jewelers' extensive collection for the perfect gift. Online, marks-jewelers.com. So, who do you have more trust in entering 2024? Rob Thompson or Nick Sirianni? Now, before the show began, when me and Ben were kind of putting together the show sheet and hanging out, we thought maybe this would fall around 90-10. But we were just curious to hear from those 10 percenters of Nick Sirianni people because it's fascinating to hear the other side, even if you disagree. And we ended up falling with our final check in here at 84% Rob Thompson, 16% Nick Sirianni. So there was a little more out there than we originally projected. And then our second Twitter poll, which we updated after the news started to pop about um, – Uh, Mike Trout, excuse me, just had a blank there. Mike Trout out in Anaheim, maybe he ends up leaving eventually and asking for a trade. Would you rather the Phillies make a Mike Trout trade tomorrow at the deadline or next offseason? And tomorrow leads the way at 56%. So I appreciate all of you guys who tuned in and did vote on the Twitter poll. But now it's time for Ben Kenny's top five at five. Five thirty, top five at five thirty. Oh, that's right, my bad. Um, all right. So we talked about it earlier, but something happened last night that I think these days is one of the most fun things to complain about in sports. And we did some complaining. Yes. Many people did their complaining. Yes. I have my top five though. Okay. This, it falls on the list. Number five is the manager pulling the pitcher too early. Like classic, classic Rob Thompson complaint. It's fun on a post-game show. It's good to get the calls. Like, nothing gets the people going better 
than when a starter's through five innings, maybe no hits, maybe a lot of walks, and his pitch count's at like 110, and he gets pulled, and people lose their minds. You know what my favorite one is? It's it's the one where it's like they're at six and a third, they're sitting at 99 pitches, and they just walked somebody. So, okay, look, maybe it's time, right? And it's an obvious time to go to the pen, yet they feel it's the most irrational decision in game 36 against the uh, Baltimore Orioles. Like, dude, he's at 99 pitches and he's in the seventh inning. That's a reasonable time to go to your pen. Well, in the playoffs, it's fun, too. Well, that gets a little because bit nicer. Well, then it's real. You're cutting the population in half there. Sure. You yeah, that, that definitely makes the stakes a little higher. Um, <laughs> but we get like, oh, back in my day. Back in my day, they pitched 150 pitches and Nolan Ryan threw no hitters with Tommy John. Imagine if they signed Blake Snell and what we would have to oh deal with gosh. after five innings every single outing. That's the worst. Yeah. Um, That's a good right. one. That's five. Number four. Games not being on linear cable. Now, this, this hits me hard. Excellent. Because I love Big Ten sports, football, basketball, and nowadays they're pushing it towards streaming. And because NBC owns a big uh, segment of the rights for football and basketball, they play a lot of the games on Peacock. And Peacock isn't like Paramount Plus, which is kind of like CBS, like you're streaming the live CBS feed. Yeah. This is like you can only watch it if you're logged in. And I don't have an account. I like I, I don't have five dollars I want to spend on it. It's a matter of principle that they're moving the games off linear cable to these streaming services. And every time Wisconsin plays one game every two weeks on it, I'll complain. And the and the, the worst thing about it though is now you're starting to see these companies actually rally together to make a platform where we can get three different Well, hold on a second. We're getting back to cable. Like, the idea of cable is you can watch everywhere or everything under one place. You get your cable box. You have all the channels. Now we're going to streaming, and then the streaming services are get, are, are marrying together so we can watch it in one place. That's cable. So, anyway, that's a good one, buddy. Yep. Um, ESPN Plus is the one thing I'm in on. That's a good one. They got college hockey, baby. Well, they get your pro hockey. Yes. And they get my golf. I get the Thursday morning first group out. First tee time. <laughs> um, what time do you place your first bet for the first? What, what time's the tee off? The first tee off in this Genesis event on a Thursday. Well, if, if it happens on the West Coast, then it's then it's later here. True, true. I could just see you waking up at three thirty to make sure you get in your Jordan Spieth bets. But although he does not assign the card properly, um, yeah, as he and he was rightfully disqualified. Uh, number three, most fun things to complain about in sports: the NBA All Star Game. Um, I I was complaining about the complainers a bit because it kind of gets excessive when people are so over the top about a thing they're actively watching. Just, like, turn it off. Like, move on with it, your day. It's a controllable. Exactly. But that said, I mean, it's the easiest, like, I, it might be a cliche that there's no defense played in the NBA these days. Like, what happened last night is an affront to the game of basketball. Like, whoever invented the game, Naismith, right? That's his name. Would, would be embarrassed at what happened on the court last night. Seriously. You're killing me, dude. I agree. I mean, I agree with you. You're you're just, you're just on a roll. Keep going, man. I love it. A-plus so far. Um, number two, this is actually my favorite, my personal favorite, analytics and football. Like, analytics and baseball is fine, but it's like, what really is it, right? It's Schwarber hitting first. Analytics and football, when you're Dan Campbell, with a 17-point lead against the Niners, and the nerds upstairs just tell you to keep going and keep going, and you never take the points, nothing is better 
than watching those decisions fail and then blaming the nerds. Okay, that's that's fair, but there is another side to this, though. I'm not as anti-analytics as you are. I don't love them at times. You shouldn't be going for a, uh, was that a two-point conversion, seven yards from the, no, like that's that's pathetic. Reckless. Yeah, that, exactly. That's reckless. That's stupidity. And I would make the argument, I guess that's probably anti-analytics and more gut feel. I have no idea what yeah, was no, told. It's, just, it's dumb. It is it's, dumb. It's really dumb. It's dumb football. But how about the teams that win because they use it? And we don't ever get a chance to rip them. Like who? I don't know. I'm sure the Chiefs. Well, like, part of it is, here's the thing. Like, like, does it matter? Sure. Like, it can help. But there's something about football that kind of brings it away from what the math says. I agree. Like, anybody watching the game, I'm sure anybody at that game, the Niners and the Lions, could understand that as soon as you miss a fourth down, you allow the Niners to think they have a chance, which then allows your, your receiver to stop dropping every ball, your corner to hit, have the ball hit him in the face, you open the door for disaster. Now, here's where I think it's good, though. I like how football has changed where it's fourth and two on your own 46, and it's a calculated risk that you can go for. I think analytics helped out some of the fourth down go-fors that I do like, but it also comes with the ones that I'm like, what are we doing here? Or a team that goes for two to make it a six-point When they get a little creative with the two-point conversion. Well, that one I'm in on. So you like that one. No, I no, don't that's like the that one. one. That's, but th- I don't think that's analytics. I think that's simple math. But isn't that analytics? That We never played that game that way. We never played football that way until analytics became more of a focus. It no was, one would ever do that. Well, nobody did the math equation. But is it the math equation analytics? No, well, no. I'm talking more of the, you know, the win probability okay. divided by the, I gotcha. you know. Okay, okay. That. That's fine. They're- Taking it out of the hands of the gut feel who can actually feel the team and what's going. Like Doug Peterson in the Super Bowl. He knew he had to go for it because they were never going to stop Brady. Dan Campbell, if he had just kicked a field goal, you keep them at arm's distance. Like, it's managing the game. Okay. And- um, okay. That's number two. Number one is a layup. It's umpires. Like You're not an Angel Hernandez guy. Well, I'm an Angel Hernandez guy because it's it's so fun to get angry at them. Joe West, although I think he retired, didn't he? He retired. He did retire. But if we go to robo-ums, I don't think people understand that we are going to be missing a very integral part of the baseball experience. And that is complaining to no end about how terrible the umpires so are. So let me get this straight. You don't like how we complain about the All-Star game, and you're complaining about the complaining, but you like how we complain about umpires, and that's part of the game. 100%. Okay. I, I see your vision, I guess, in, in the complaint department. Well, that was an excellent top five and five, my friend. I have I have honorable mentions. Oh, yeah, too. please do. Please do. The umpire one, though, is I, I'm with you there. I do feel like it's a part of the game, but at the same time, if it's the World Series and it's a 2-2 count and you really botch a call that hit the inside part of the play, what do we do? It's the World Series here. I mean, you can't be screwing that stuff up. Yeah, I could be. Well, I, I think the umpires did pretty well in the playoffs. Like, the, the idiots usually, they keep them in the regular season. I'm fine with robo-ums for the World Series. Okay. But in a game in July... Now we're talking. Like, let me complain about the first base umpire who can't see. Um, Honorable mentions. Keeping Florida State out of the college football playoff. Load management in any sport. The fact that... Well, I guess all-star games. I already had this. Um, A team's run-pass ratio. Just, like, not not committing to the run. So, hold on. Are you... What don't you like? Can you just kind of give that one a little bit more detail? Are you pro or anti? I, I enjoy... Being able to complain when teams don't commit to running the football. <laughs> You're unreal. I, I, I love it. I see it in college all the time. 
Well, yeah. Well, pass, you pass, pass, pass. You're you're a sicko. Don't you also enjoy Iowa football? Or you bet against? I love it. Yeah. Do, yeah, do they, you love it though, or do you just bet against it and that's why you like it? No, I take the under. Oh, you take you bet with what they do. Listen, right. the Chiefs just won a Super Bowl with the best special teams game I've ever seen a punter play. Their punter was incredible. Special teams was and people look down upon it. They won with defense and special teams. And then the 49 yeah, 49ers screwed up missing a block. Uh, well, yeah, it was blocked. It was the Chiefs special teams. Yeah, special teams was big. So that's what you got, Florida State. Yeah, well, and the last one is a head coach's sideline demeanor and antics. But everybody at this station is already good at that. Now, how do you feel, just to add a little bit more onto that, how do you feel about the guys who have a, a person to make sure they don't do anything wrong on the sidelines? The holdback guy? The holdback guy. Uh, it's that's smart. That's so good. you're pro holdback guy. Yeah. No, I'm more talking about the week everybody did hear about Sirianni after the Chiefs game. Uh huh. You're unreal. I love it. You're way of <laughs> it. It's funny because on social media, I obviously know you now. When I read your tweets, I read them in in your delivery, like your uh-huh. tone, your sarcasm, your delivery. Like I actually laugh. It's like oh my god, it's one of a kind. Because otherwise, it. otherwise you look at them and. You know, what's wrong with that person? Well, I mean, people say that about me every single day. You can't take that as a as anything with meaning. You know what I'm saying? There's mm-hmm. people out there on the social media streets. They're fake. It's not real life. Yeah. Well, Gotta I remember that. I, I, I did get someone good. Um, you know, the speed thing with how he was disqualified? Yes. So I was I was um, down in the basement, and they were replaying the round in which he got disqualified. And I'm not going to watch anything else except for the replay. And, and speed shows up on the hole, which he incorrectly marked his scorecard, and I tweeted the picture and said, Spieth just made a sloppy bogey on four, only three back. Feels like it might have cost him the tournament. And I got people I mentioned being like, oh, my God, that's so funny. It did. Hold on a second. So there you go. Did you watch it in real time? Yeah. And then you rewatched the replay of the golf tournament? It's, it's the only way I can exercise or get anything done is it's on in the background. That's amazing. You already saw it, though. If you didn't see it and you're catching Like, I watched a rain delay one day because they weren't actively golfing, and I didn't catch the day before. So when they're throwing on the previous day, I didn't see any of it. That's fine. But if you're going to go psychopath, re-watch something you already watched, that's a little nuts. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, with that, I mean, listen, that's brought to you by Mount Holly Nissan. New 2024 Nissans are arriving daily at Mount Holly Nissan. Minutes from everywhere, just over the bridge, online at mounthollynissan.com. All right, so 215-592-9494. If you do want to hop on board with the conversation, thanks, Ben, for a phenomenal top five at 530. Uh, But realistically, the moral of the story today and the conversation was really all about Phillies baseball in particular. We danced around a bit. We hit on the NBA All-Star game and how dumb it was. And we hit on some other things, Nick Sirianni and what his role is going to be as head coach next year when there's two new coordinators that are in demand of their respected side of the ball. But the meat and potatoes, if you will, was about the Philadelphia Phillies entering next season and where you stand with Rob Thompson, because I think a lot of us appreciate what he has done to this point 
in regards to getting us to really deep playoff positions. But once you are there, does he have something in his DNA that's going to hold us back? Now, full disclosure, no, I don't think that's the case. I believe in Rob Thompson. I think he can adapt. I think some of his decisions that he has made that has failed might not necessarily fail down the road. Like going to Craig Kimbrell again was was a mess last season. But if he does have a, a dude who legitimately – if he goes to Jose Alvarado next year in the NLCS and, and that's his go-to guy this year and, and he's willing to use him in a game three and a game four – scenario it may work out this time it's not Craig Kimbrell it's not a guy who's on the last hole of his 18 holes here and someone who has so much wear and tear and all those saves so maybe because Jose Alvarado is fresher then you actually can go back to him in a game three in a game four so maybe we're panicking or or reaching looking for reasons why this won't work more than we need to do but there is something about his stubbornness. He is stubborn. And I like stubborn in sports. I do. This is what I do. This is my game plan. This is how I run my show. Whether you're a head coach in the NFL, whether you're a manager in baseball, if you're a hockey coach, I don't care if you're Nick Nurse or whatever. This is how I do things. I got to this point by sticking to my guns, and, and I'm okay with that to a point. There needs to be wiggle room. All I'm asking for out of Rob is a tiny bit of wiggle room because if he's a 9 out of 10 right now, and just in regards to being a manager, if 10's the best manager you can be, and I think Rob's at a 9, and I'm just kind of speaking out loud here, throwing random numbers out, well, how can we get you to 10? What can we do to jiggle uh, uh, Rob Thompson a little bit to get from nine and shake it out a little bit? We get the 10. What can we get out of him to get him to 10? And maybe it is some of these decisions like when, when you pull Zach Wheeler in the World Series game six and you focus so much on Jose Alvarado versus your Don Alvarez, it can't happen. Like the game was scoreless through five innings, if you remember. World Series game six, 0-0. Zero, zero. Of course, Kyle Schwarber in the six hits a leadoff home run. I just got to make sure that that's known because he bats leadoff. So if he bats leadoff, he gets more at-bats. And then in the sixth inning, it comes to the top of the order. And since he bats leadoff, he gives the Phillies a, a, a really big home run there as a leadoff guy, which he deserves to be. So now you're in a predicament where Wheeler throws the ball and hits somebody, and then he, he allows a single. And you go to Jose Alvarado, and it backfires big time. The counter-argument, though, is Rob Thompson can look back in that same series and reference a time where, and they use the word pocket, and I like that. They looked for the pocket of Jordan Alvarez earlier in the series and won a game by focusing on Alvarado versus Jordan. So it works one time, and it backfires another time. And Rob could stand up in front of the meeting and go, what do you want me to do? I mean, this is our best matchup. You have to leverage your best lefty against a machine like Jordan Alvarez. It worked for us once. It backfired a second time. Then I would say, yeah, but you're forgetting that Zach Wheeler's great, and Zach Wheeler's phenomenal. And if I remember correctly, that hit by pitch, was that when someone leaned in five feet over the plate because he, he, he was he was terrible and he was horrible? And his last name starts with an M. I'm just drawing a blank here. But regardless, uh, he was so bad. He's leaning in, trying to get hit because he stinks so much, and unfortunately it worked out for them. But Rob's got to be sharper with some of the details. I need some wiggle room 
from Rob Thompson. And I'm, I'm excited, though. I, I really am. I'm excited to get back to the ballpark, even when we had on Dan Baker. And I, I just, it feels weird, Mr. Baker. I feel I have to go Mr. Baker over Dan Baker. But when we had him on hearing that voice, I picture drinking an IPA maybe on the first base side, let's say 30 rows up or so, whatever. I'm just hanging out with the family, with some loved ones, kicking it, giving some high fives around to the people next to me after a Bryson Stott double scores two runs and, 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 and the place is on fire. Like, it's electric down there. I pictured myself being right there at CBP, and there's just nothing better. There's nothing better. It's the greatest. Let's go to Andrew in Exton who wants to talk little Phils. What's up, Andrew? You're on WIP. Hey, man. How you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm great. Looking forward to this Philly season. Yeah, me too. Me too. What's on your mind with Rob? Well, hey, look, I, I think we got a great coach right now, and I think it's a little churlish to really be nitpicking. I get it. Like, we can go back to, like, World Series games. Those are the easy times. But he keeps these, this team moving. He gets the best out of players who probably need to have a relaxed environment. He pushes players who need, who need to be pushed. He lets the other players like JT, I guess, you know, Bryce, whenever he needs to push people, he lets them do it. Schwarber do it. He's the right coach for this team. I don't even think we should be nitpicking on the 9 out of 10. He's a 10 out of 10 for us. <laughs> we haven't had that long time. Yeah, I mean, look, obviously it's just discussion here on Rob because, you know, I actually, where did this, I think it was, I forget what day it was. I was on a couple days in a row here, so I forget what show it was. But it was brought up by a lot of callers about Rob, and they don't like the way he manages. They don't like the way he puts the lineup in. They don't like the way he pulls Zach Wheeler. And it just made me think, are there people out there that feel that strongly where they think something's missing out of Rob? And, um, you know, I'd say majority of people are, are sort of where I am, which is he is very good and there are some parts to his game managing that scare them when it gets to the big moments but you know at the, at the same time the Houston Astros were better than us there's no denying that the Astros the time they lost the World Series were a better team was that a managerial problem or was that just the Astros are great you know what I mean so that's the flip side of it too yep yeah and, and, and that team was better than us I think I'm looking forward to how he manages this roster knowing that he has the same guys pretty much for the last couple of years does he play Garrett Stubbs more what does he do with Bryce if he has a back issue at first base? Where does he loop in Schwarber and left field if he ever needs to do that? I think that's what I'm looking forward to in this next season. All right, thanks, Andrew. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has a, a new look on it all with Bryce playing first base. Bryce being available at the start of the season, which was not the case. So now you get a full run of Bryce Harper, and, you know, it just things are starting to fall into place more. JT does have a lot of miles on the tires. Now, I don't want to see backup catchers. I, I don't watch my baseball team to watch Garrett Stubbs play baseball, with all due respect to Garrett Stubbs. But you are starting to get up there with innings caught for him and and for JT, that is. And it's been a common theme for a few years in a row. So if this is part of making sure we don't hit a wall by the end of the season thing, which some pitchers have, we've seen that happen because, you know, the first year they made that run two years ago, Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler have never really been in that position. And then remember, that then factors into your offseason being shorter and then you got to ramp back up and you don't know what that's like and you don't know how to go through that experience with your body until you actually do. And now they're starting to get comfortable realizing that, hey, we're in this every single year. We're running through this. The 
the Houston Astros aren't making excuses. They sleepwalk into the ALCS every single season, and they're not crying and complaining about short off seasons. They just take the bull by the horn. The next year, they win their division. They're winning that AL again. They're going to the World Series. If you're going to be built to sustain success, then there's no complaining about that part of it. You have to find a way. And it ties together with the Eagles the same way with this whole sustained success thing. That's why with the coordinators, I get all nervous. If if you're going to be legit, then Nick Sirianni has to figure it out a little bit because you're constantly going to churn a bunch of your coordinators to new cities and new teams basically every single season. If you're built to sustain success, you got to work out these kinks, iron out some of these details and – Really, how we started the show today was comparing Nick Sirianni to Rob Thompson, and that's how we sort of put a bow on it all. So I got a question for you, though, Ben, in regards to Philly's games. And uh, by the way, you did a lot of things out in Wisconsin. Yes? Yeah. I see. Uh, are, are you are you into the Brewers at all? How does, where does that stand? Well, I've talked you? about them a lot. Okay. No, no, I don't like the Brewers. I'm just curious if, it, Gosh, if, if no. it's a secondary kind of thing. Like if the Phillies weren't. Doing well, I would root for the Brewers kind of thing. No, you, you no don't, way. You don't feel that strongly well, about I, it? I, I root for, you know, the people out there to be happy. Okay. Generally right. speaking. But, okay. no, I, I don't like the Brewers. Okay. So, I didn't know if the Reese Hoskins signing well, changed anything. Well, they, honestly, it kind of comes down to the fact that their social media team was stealing Valor by tweeting him in a Brewers jersey hitting the home run. You didn't like that? Not at all. It's a hell of an edit, though. Hoskins had more home runs in that postseason run. Then the Brewers have had in the playoffs in like three decades. The Brewers are always that team that's fighting around there for that division, and then they end up collapsing in the whole shebang. You can't trust the Brewers. I like. I'm, I'm happy for Reese. I hope Reese plays well. Me too. But that's it. Would you have brought him back if you could, or, um, or did you not see a fit no, at all? I didn't see a fit. I would have played him at first. Actually, you know what? I I might want to amend what I said. I kind of want the Brewers to win now because I think Craig Council is kind of a backstabbing. You know, uh huh. Um, yes, kind of a scummy move, dude. Big time, right? So, like he's a hate the face almost. For that reason, I I might root for the Brewers this year. I love it. I love it. Okay, all right. I want to thank everybody so much for hanging out with us today. That was Ben Kenny producing. Did an amazing job. I want to thank all the callers, everyone who tweeted in, just everybody who listened. Thank you all so much. I'm Broge, who filled in for the afternoon show. Coming up next is Ricky Ricardo. Don't go anywhere. This is 94 WIP. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.